This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Let's go. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, folks. Friday afternoon, Winnipeg Jets on to the second round, still awaiting their second round opponent. We'll get to that. Last night's action in the Stanley Cup playoffs and much more coming up today. Jeff Kerbison is going to pop by. We'll talk Stanley Cup playoffs with Marty Baron, Josh Morrissey, or Josh Morrissey. Josh Morrissey's actually coming up with Kenny and Rennie a little bit later on this afternoon. So Ken's going to pop by, tee that up, what the boys are doing after we're finished this afternoon on YouTube. And for everybody that entered our Little Brown Jug Contest on Instagram, stick around, end of the show, the biggest Winnipeg Sports Talk marble race ever. For another gift cert for the new online store at Little Brown Jug. Uh, great to have everybody with us. We, of course, are brought to you by our friends at Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And speaking of Aikens, shout out to my guy, Elliot, who is uh, is with us today. A few folks uh, off at Aikens tuning in live today. Great to see uh, everyone there and cannot wait to get out and see you guys a little bit later on this year. As I mentioned, Jeff Kerbison, uh, <laughs> and this is funny having Kerb on. Kerb's an old friend. He, of course, has written a couple books on the Winnipeg Jets, including Broken Ribs and Popcorn, which um, details the Jets in the 80s being the best team not to win the Stanley Cup. And a big part of that was being haunted in the playoffs by the Edmonton Oilers. And Kerb had said, hey, you know, Jets Oilers, why don't, you, why don't you bring me on? And to be honest, I was just too freaked out about the history to have Kerb on and talk about the Jets Oilers history while the series was going on. But now that it's ended the way that it did, we'll uh, talk to Kerb a little bit about the book, a little bit about the, the historical significance. And for younger fans, what uh, maybe fans of our ilk and generation went through with the nightmares building up from all those series losses to Edmonton and why this one this week was just so special for the Winnipeg Jets, not to mention the fact that they're in the final eight and uh, still playing for the Stanley Cup. Um, uh, what's up, everyone? Great to see everybody in the chat today, and uh, great to see my good pal Michael Remus join me in on the program. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm bringing myself in. Oh, another expert there, transition. Oh, th- wow. There we go. Feeling good. Actually, has, uh, speaking of Little Brown Jug, I did just put in an order uh, of it for myself. So that's a plus. Beautiful. Did you use yeah. the new uh, you use the new website I take? I used their website. Super easy. So see, it says same-day delivery, so right in time for the weekend. So I think you have until 2 if you want to get that, anyone anyone in chat. So it was pretty, uh, pretty reasonable. But uh, yeah, feeling good. I watched some great hockey games last night. We can get to the Leafs Habs uh, with a with an incredible finish. And of course, we had another overtime game. And I want to give a shout out to you because at the before the third period started, you tweeted out, "I'm live betting Canes Preds. Who's with me?" And I was, you're like, "Hey, if I lose, we get a game seven. Who cares?" I was like, "You know what?" I saw the tweet just in time. I'm like, "Sure, let's do it." And I hopped on. What do you know? Her at Carolina. Had all the pressure in the third period, tied it, and then won it uh, pretty quick in overtime. Didn't have to sit through any uh, triple OTs. So uh, that was a fun night of hockey last night. 
Yeah, no, it certainly was a double dose of overtime. Man, this first round has just been phenomenal with the amount of OTs that we've had. You know, it's surprising that it doesn't look... We definitely have a Game 7. We have one tonight. We'll talk about that coming up. Potential for another Game 7 if the Habs can win in front of 2,500 fans in Montreal on Saturday night. Um, but whoever makes it out of that Toronto yeah. um, Habs series, of course, will be the opponent for the Winnipeg Jets coming up. But yeah, as far as that... The, the bet last night went, you know, I was getting ready for the lock shop today and going through, you know, a bunch of weird niche sports for the wide world of wagering, which is always a lot of fun. And, you know, was watching the game and realized that, you know, Kane's down one. I, I've been on them throughout this series and got burned a couple times with the games earlier in Nashville. And I figured with that sort of a number... I think there's absolutely a good chance that they can come back, get it to overtime, and win. So we went on it. And as you mentioned, you know what? The worst thing, you know, the worst case scenario is you lose the bet, but you do get a game seven. And uh, that's just another opportunity to chase it and get it back if we didn't win. Um, anyways, it worked out well. Gave a little extra scratch to get into the weekend. And, of course, we now do have a couple more series lines that have just been put up, as well as updated Stanley Cup odds at CoolBet.com. We'll get to those a little bit later on. Um, what a wild game between the Habs and Leafs last night, Reem. Um, it looked like the Habs were going to be rolling up 3-0. Big first period by former Jet Yoel Armia, the artist formerly known as Joel. Um, couple goals. Um, but, you know, credit to the Leafs for bouncing back. And two third period goals by Jake Muzzin, of all people, put it to OT. And you could really feel the the nerves of the Canadians going into OT. Uh, but luckily, you know, we talk about free pizzas and then there's what Alex Galgenyuk served up last night in OT. A two on O. You texted me about the two on O. I was outside coming back in and I'm like, wait a sec, it's over already? What happened? A two on O. Like, are they playing regular season three on three <laughs> rules or something? Yeah. Like, how, how does that happen? Um, but no, it was just an incredibly ill-timed pass to the wrong spot that sprung the two young stars of the Habs, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, tic-tac-toe in the net, 3-2 in the series. And now the Habs get to come home, Reem, and we're going to see fans in a Canadian building for the first time in over a year Saturday night. Yeah, maybe at some point during the show I'll pull up, like, Ticketmaster, and we can see what the, what's going for in the secondary ticket market because last night I saw, like, you know, 1,400 or so for, like, nosebleed tickets. And we'll see. And I also saw that they're not serving food or drinks there because you have to keep your mask on at all times. So... Uh, people still wanting to pay a lot of money for a playoff game, a first-round series playoff game. This isn't like the cup final or even the conference final. That's uh, obscene. But as far as that game goes, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, Jake Muzzin. First of all, that that uh, point shot, huge blast. We know he has a bomb. But that second one, that was a nice tip um, there. And, um, you know, over time, I was like, okay, the Leafs could complete the comeback. And I was kind of laughing when they were down. I texted you, actually, down 3 I'm like, ha, Leafs, LOL. <laughs> and then when it went to overtime, you're like, you jinxed it. <laughs> and then we had the 2-on-0 from started at their own blue line, which that is just a, uh, you know, I was laughing. Just, you know, I feel bad, you know, for the players involved, of course. But for Leaf fans, and especially we've seen a lot of them in here, I don't know how many are in there right now, Um <laughs> No, they're not like, coming in today. They were they were hot and heavy the last few days yeah. when they were uh, all ready to move on to round two, thinking that the series was over. It, um, was talking to Pat Gregoire from Coolbet a little earlier today for the lock shop, and 
Uh, yeah, the collars are a little tighter. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have so much history and so much disappointment and 3-1 leads in series and 3-1 leads in or 4-1 leads in game sevens, it ain't over until it's over. And it's not over right now for the Toronto well, Maple Leafs. And I'll tell you what, if the Habs do win on Saturday night, the amount of pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs, I still expect them to win this series. Frankly, I think they'll win on Saturday. Man, if uh, if it does go to a game seven after being up 3-1, holy smokes, is there going to be even more pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because a, a loss to the Habs in round one after being up 3-1 would be an absolutely colossal failure for a team that has been assumed as the team that will be coming out of the North Division for the better part of the year by a lot of the... Uh, the hockey populace. It's funny, you know, the last couple of days or the Leafs fans in here have been like, okay, Leafs against the Jets, it's happening. And then people, other people responded, hey, they haven't won anything yet. And everyone was <laughs> assuming they would win last night. And to come back, you know, crawl back down 3-0 to tie it. And then to lose like that in overtime where you could just see that like 2-0 literally coming from a mile away. Not literally a mile away, but, you know, three quarters of the ice, 2-0 with Suzuki and Caulfield. And, you know, when you have that much time, sometimes you see players panic, you know, not make the right pass. And they executed that one to perfection. And uh, Suzuki hit that one tee in the back of the net. And I I just laughed because that's just a horrible way uh, to end a game where you come back, you know, you're down 3-0 and then you give up a 2-on-0. And not 3-on-3 three, you know, three overtime. Those happen pretty frequently. But on 5-on-5, five five, uh, brutal way uh, for Galchenyuk. Uh, you know, well, just think about how much overtime we just watched between the Jets and Oilers. And mm-hmm. there was nothing even remotely close to a 2-on-0 at any point in that. So, uh, hey, what is up, Cody Karen? Into the super chat. Always put off work to listen to the show. Cody, that's what we love to hear. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you do get busy at work, you can always watch it on the playback a little later on. You can listen to the podcast but we definitely appreciate you being with us live, and we certainly appreciate you hitting us up on the Super Chat. Thanks so much. And listen, if there was ever a time maybe to uh, mail it in, it's uh, it's a Friday afternoon heading into uh, heading into the weekend. Now, again, I'm, I have no idea what days are weekends and what aren't weekends anymore because essentially uh, there's two types of days, work days and non-work days. We haven't had many non-work days lately. Um, with the Jets, and it's game day or not game day. But you know what, Reem, this has been great, I think, for fans, but especially the team. Um, You know, listen, I think if the series started on Sunday night, Jets would have been ready for it and would have benefited from this rest. But man, to get something like a week off while Toronto has to grind out this series against the Habs, um, you would hope could be a nice advantage or a bonus for the Jets going in. As long as they do start well in game number one, there's always that rest versus rest conversation. But I think considering what the ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup, only playing four games in the first round and getting this extra rest could be invaluable for a team like Winnipeg going up against uh, the Leafs or Habs in the next round. Yeah, this might be the longest like break they've had uh, in a long time. And especially, I was thinking last night, for a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, we don't know if he came back you know, maybe a bit early, but just that extra week. I mean, obviously... I mean, he came back, we didn't even talk about it yesterday, like he came back and scored the overtime winner in the game, you know, his first game back, so he's clearly fine, but, um, you know, just the rest for everyone, I mean, you heard Shifley say he slept for what, like 11 hours, not the night they won, but the next night, 
and you know these players are resting up. And I just remember, you know, maybe a little fatigue setting in in 2018 after that series versus Nashville when they uh, went up against Vegas and where Marc-Andre Fleury is still giving Jets fans nightmares when you see what he's doing with Vegas. So uh, I think, you know, I know I think maybe you'll see a bit of rust to start, but I think with the way the Stanley play, play Stanley Cup playoffs is rest is definitely definitely good and the way the season has been as well you know it's, as Paul Maurice would say it's definitely been a grinder <laughs> no doubt about that built for the grinder hey let's give a shout out to some folks that are with us right now Tracy Ukraniak always with us hi Trace Chuck Winnipeg Troy Stevens Nicole J says happy Friday Jets fans General Tom's here Jeff Casavilla Sandy G Mitch Z as well um good old James Robinson's always with us and hey there's our winner from yesterday well, the, the, the second-place winner after yeah, you, in was, fact, were the winner. Place. But he was the prize winner, Winnipeg Jets 280. Um, and as I mentioned right off the top, Reem, we are locked and loaded for the biggest marble race ever at the end of the program with everyone that entered the other Little Brown Junk, junk Contest we did through our Instagram. And by the way, if you're not following us on Instagram, mm-hmm. what are you waiting for? At Sports Talk WPG. And as always, if you're new, welcome to the stream, welcome to the pod. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button and give us a yeah. thumbs up. Um, a, a ton of other folks. Oh, Corey Perry's shin pad has He's made, uh, it, it has entered the chat. Um, the Godfather, there's Mitch, WHT, Paula Detz with us. Um, Colin Games, great to see you. Tricky Dick, Paul Adet, Rob Mahoney. A lot of the regs in with us. And, of course, Cynthia Betancourt. Cynthia was so close yesterday, leading the marble race most of the mm-hmm. way before an unfortunate over-the-wall at the end. It ended with a DQ and uh, then Remus somehow. What, what, what characters we've had. Gregory wins last week. You win. I can't imagine what it's going to be. And we've got over 100 people in today's marble race from the entries be- on Instagram. So it is going to be massive. And Paul Odette writes in chat, what's a marble race? Well, stay tuned for the end, maybe around like Paul. Two- after 2.30, uh, we will be having the race for the uh, $30 uh, gift card to Little little Brown Jug. So that, stay tuned. And, Paul, uh, you're here every day. I, I don't know how you could have possibly missed it. I mean, these have been a couple of the highlights of the entire stream the last couple of days. Anyways, it will be at the end. It'll be the last thing we do after we get to the Cool Bet lines and have our guests. Uh, and it will be fun. And as I said, you know, normally we have Kenny or Rennie on on, on Thursday but today we had great conversation with Rennie yesterday. Uh, but Ken's going to pop on a little bit, a little later on. We'll just talk a little bit of playoffs, get his thoughts on what happened last night, Game Seven tonight between Vegas mm. and Minnesota, and tee up uh, a little combo playoff preview and chat with Josh Morrissey coming up today at three o'clock. And you know what? While I mention, I'll mention this before I forget. Um, this afternoon. After we're done on Winnipeg Sports Talk, I'll be going and doing a three-hour shift, as I often do on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Uh, but for you Jet fans, 4.30 oh. Winnipeg time, uh, we'll have Adam Lowry of the Winnipeg Jets joining us live there. So uh, I'll tweet out a link if you want to check us out a little bit later on. But that's hey. 4.30 Winnipeg time for Adam Lowry. I got an email that my little brown jug is out for delivery. You think they'll bring it to me during the show? <laughs> <laughs> Should I take the camera to the door when I go answer it? <laughs> yes, yes. If that, if if you can do that, that would be. Listen, that might be the greatest. I, this just worked out this way. We didn't yeah. plan it this way, but this could be one of the uh, great bonuses of a sponsor we've ever done. Yeah. A live delivery 
after you've ordered at their amazing new yeah. online site, easier than ever to order delicious little brown uh, jug suds. I want to say this actually, Huss. Um, you know, before we bring in Jeff, we got to get to that Carolina national game. I don't know about you, but I have um, Creed stuck in my head today, and I was listening to their greatest hits, and I just got uh, I got chills. And what we're talking about is, uh, <laughs> I like I, what we're talking about is uh, Nashville Predators had uh, Scott Stapp and Creed perform what at intermission during the game. Wasn't yeah. quite um, their epic, you know, ep- the definition of epic performance at that Thanksgiving NFL game everyone's seen on YouTube with the like gym- <laughs> with the gymnasts and the acrobats. Yeah, the but uh, game, that's right. but seeing like I haven't seen uh, too much live music in a long time. But uh, seeing Creed at a Predator, I thought Preds were for sure winning. But uh, I guess if you're anti Creed, you can say Creed. That's an all time Winnipeg sports talk quote. I saw Creed last night at the Predators game, and I got chills. I was I got chills <laughs> from watching that, and I had to put on uh, Arms Wide Open, Higher. They had some My Sag. They have some good songs, man. I well, I think I hated them when they came out, but now that it's 20 years later, I real have a deep. I now have a real deep appreciation for Creed. Well, speaking of Creed, and maybe you can get this up while we talk about it. So the Canes end the Predators season and then eviscerated them on social media with another banner gag, um, a banner Photoshop, if you will. But this one, was, it, well, put it this way. It was savage enough that the Nashville Predators have now blocked the Carolina Hurricanes on Twitter. And uh, the reason was this tweet that we'll get up in just a second here. Um, And, you know, of course, the Jets did have some fun, or many Jet fans did have some fun with the banners that they were raising a little uh, little earlier. Um, And uh, here it is today. Taylor Lewan, who's the Titans offensive lineman, crushed a beer, did a couple of those in a catfish. Creed played during intermission. Loudest house in the National Hockey League, of course, giving themselves the Barry Horowitz mm-hmm. claiming that the uh, uh, Carolina Hurricanes are the loudest crowd. But um, this, I don't know how you bounce back from this one. And apparently neither did the Preds because they just simply blocked the yeah. Canes. Yeah, and this is what, what was the original banner Nashville put up that everyone was laughing at them about? They put up some banners like playoff participant or something. Yeah, something yeah, stupid. yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it was qualified for playoffs. Second in-, in the Central Division. So it was really qualified, yeah. So this is a well done troll job in Nashville. Zero response. That's talk about kicking a team when they're down. Uh, I don't know. Carolina social media has taken it to another level and chirping another team. And oh. uh, Nashville had no response except to block Carolina, which I think is acceptable here. Now that the Oilers series is over, speaking of social media, I'm going to bring something up. Um, that was very out of character for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, the Jets are, they've got their culture. They do things in a certain way. And let's just say that, you know, when it comes to social media, they're not as uh, as out there as some of the other teams like we've just seen. Which was why after game one, it was so stunning to see Jets social media put up that tweet of Neil Pionk all over Connor McDavid just with simply the tag rent free. And um, like you want to talk about poking the bear. I thought that it was just so out of character for Jets social media to do that. I was, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I was totally here for it, but I was also nervous that it would come back to bite them. Yeah, there it is. If you're looking at this right now, 
I don't know about you, Reem. I was stunned to see that. And listen, I liked it. But again, it was only after game one. I was honestly a little nervous that that might end up being a uh, a freezing cold take. And there hasn't been many of those things that the Jets have put out there beforehand. But sure enough, they were... Uh, they were right. It didn't bite them. And I think that was maybe a little bit. It shows the confidence that the Jets had that maybe he was even eking out to the social media part of the organization. This could have ended very badly. <laughs> this was this was a risk. Yeah, I yes, saw that and I was like, I don't know, guys. Like, <laughs> sure, sure you want to do that here? This is Connor McDavid we're talking about. And I mean, I like Neil Pionk, but... He's not, I mean, obviously we should start thinking of him as one of the best defensemen in the league. I mean, especially when you look at how he performed points-wise. But, ooh, that's, I mean, stopping Connor McDavid and saying rent-free for any, for even for any defenseman uh, against Connor McDavid. Uh, that was bold, so. Hey, uh, listen, I'm here for it. I hope they get a little cockier, uh, especially considering who the opponent will be next round, whether it's the Habs or whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, anyways, it worked out well. I think everyone, uh, we enjoyed it now a lot more now that the Edmonton Oilers have been put in the rearview mirror and the Jets are getting ready uh, going forward. And one more thing about social media. I don't know, guys, we're kind of on a bit of a roll. Um, I tweeted this out last night, and you can check my feed at Hustlerama. I'm not sure whether we have the rights to play it, so we won't do it because because of YouTube. We don't want a DCMA. But Rod Brindamore, one of the things the Canes do so well, probably better than anybody in the league, is engage their fans through social media with some of the best behind-the-scenes footage and coverage you will get anywhere. And last night, after beating the Preds, Rod Brindamore who does you know, a hell of a speech, addressed the team, talked to them about the win, and had a phone in his hand. And But he talked about how they're a family, uh, you know, all those sort of cliches about being together and being a family. And he had his dad on speakerphone, and it was his dad's birthday, and the entire team, after winning game six and eliminating the Predators, Saying his dad happy birthday, just a really, really cool moment. And, you know, I tweeted that out, and Remus, I couldn't help but think, um, you know, we heard from Paul Stastny, we heard from Blake Wheeler about the speech that Paul Maurice gave before Stastny's thousandth game as they were trying to get out of that slump. And, you know, it was it was referred to as a Winston Churchill-type speech. Um, anyone that's played for Maurice <clears throat> has talked about how incredible his speeches are. Uh, just for once, I would love to be a uh, fly on the wall, if you were, and uh, and see some of that stuff because, you know, we've seen how powerful the words of Rod Brindamore are motivating his Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, but considering everything we've heard about Paul Maurice, what a treat that would be to, you know, get on the inside to hear a speech or two from the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, we haven't seen too much of that. I know the NHL, like, did some behind-the-scenes stuff before, but um, as far as the Jets' dressing room goes, we don't really see like see that stuff like we've seen with some other teams. You know, we just Carolina, that video with Brindamore. Um, and I saw a nice uh, tweet from Jamal Mayers, a uh, former NHLer, who said, this is how you motivate players now in 2021. You're not motivating with fear. You want to bring everyone together and, and feel like a family. And Rod Brindamore has certainly uh, done that in Carolina and I guess we'll see uh, where you know where he lands next. But uh, you know, I, Carolina was my you know was my pick uh, to win the cup before you know my bracket. Um, we have it on the NHL website, so 
I'm pulling for him. I was feeling kind of when they were down 3-2 there in game six. Yeah, my bracket's looking great except for the East. I uh, had picked oh. Sid versus Ovi, and they're both have tea times right now. It's uh, I, uh, Islanders Boston, but everything I, else is looking good. I need Vegas. I got to be honest. Um, my bra- I think I picked every series correct so far, except the games, not so much, but the except for the Jets series. You took uh, the Islanders. I, yeah, I think I did actually. Let me. I'm pretty sure I took the Islanders and I took Vegas in seven, but I'm. I guess they're at home. But I did have Vegas in seven, but every other one I have nailed. So on watch Monday, out for me. On Monday, assuming, well, I guess we could still have a game seven between the Habs and Leafs, but we'll do maybe a little bit of a group update yeah, on the NHL should. bracket challenge for everyone that, that that did that. So listen, lots coming up. Ken Weave, towards the end of the program, he'll tee up. Kenny and Randy, we've got a special little edition coming after Winnipeg Sports Talk this afternoon if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Marty Baron going to join us in about 20, 25 minutes or so. And Jeff Kerbison coming up in just a second. Before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to uh, first ever sponsor on Winnipeg Sports Talk, not Autocorp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down to Waverly and McGillivray or check them out online with all the services. Not only do they have an incredible variety of vehicles, including the most Teslas in the city, uh, Red Seal technicians, body shop, literally one stop for all of your needs. And if you're looking to upgrade your vehicle, they'll help you consign your present vehicle too. So uh, find out more, Waverly and McGillivray or contact them online at not.ca and of course the whiteout is here although we're not in but whiteout gear is going quickly royal sports your headquarters for all things winnipeg jets winnipeg blue bombers and uh, frankly nhl and all other licensed merchandise and right now free car flags with white jerseys or the purchase of a yeti winnipeg jets mug i think you can see those at the bottom they're an official yeti dealer great camping equipment as well fitness, bikes, they have it all. Pop down this weekend. Get ready for round two at Royal Sports and get yourself a free Jets car flag with that promotion. Find out more and give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And of course, Boston Pizza. Been with us since day one as well. We talked about the pizza flights, my personal favorite. There you can see them. They've also got a pretty insane game day meal with the Meteor Pizza, Spicy Pierogi Pizza, and a case, a two-four, if you will, of wings now, right now, we can't be enjoying each other's company and schooners in the Boston Pizza Lounge, but of course, they do deliver, available for takeout, and you can find the menu and much more at bostonpizza.ca. All right, let's uh, welcome in our first guest. He is a longtime friend of the program. He is the author of Broken Ribs and Popcorn, amongst others. It is Jeff Kerbison. Kerb, what's up? How are you, my friend? doing great thank you just uh i think i finally caught up on my sleep after staying up till uh whatever time it was on monday night and even after the jets triple overtime win i uh, was so pumped up i couldn't go to sleep for like another couple hours no yeah you're not the, you're not the only one it was funny talking with coach maurice and shifley uh it wasn't just the fans i think it was pretty much everyone that was involved in that game had a hard time uh turning it off uh despite the uh how late it was now Full disclosure, we were talking last week about the Oilers, Jets. It would be a perfect time to bring you on, talk about the history of the matchup. And 
partly the superstitious side of me, but also the part that lived through it. I couldn't think of anything more depressing going into an Oilers jet series than to rehash the misery that we went through in the eighties at the same time, recognizing one of the great teams of the era, never to win the cup. But now that the series is over, we can talk about the historic nature of a sweep over the Edmonton Oilers curb, um, as well as talk about what uh, what we all grew up watching. Before we talk about the book and the history of it, thoughts on the series, and as someone that has written so extensively about the history of the Winnipeg Jets and the tough neighborhood, the old Smythe division, um, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that the Jets de- disposed of Connor McDavid and the Oilers in four straight games. Well, in many ways, that's the series that was just completed mirrored a lot of the series back in the 80s because the Jets got swept uh, three or four straight years, but they were all close games. And there were very few 5-2, 5-1 games. A lot of them, there were a lot of, like there was like 10 or 11 one-goal games in, in, in those series. So, and the Jets didn't have the lead for a whole lot in this uh, in this most recent series. So it was, it was very similar, except for the fact that the Jets came out on the right side uh, of the of all the bounces this time around, and uh, so it was yeah it was it was stressful. Even I don't know how you felt, I, I, but uh, even up three nothing, because uh, so after the th- after the three the, the game three win, and I went on Twitter and everyone's like it's over, and I had to respond, listen you crazies, it's not over. We were there in 1990. We were up three one. We thought it was over then. And what happened? It wasn't over. So even though we were up 3 nothing, and even when we were up early on in game four, I, I was still super nervous. And uh, it wasn't until probably about a minute or two after uh, Connor's goal that I relaxed. I was still <laughs> sitting there on the edge of my seat. And it was still kind of hard to believe. Like, was I? it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Am I, am I awake? Am I dreaming? Because like you, I know on the weekend, I kept waking up in the middle of the night going, did that? Did, did they win last night, or did I? Did I? Oh, I oh my God, Curve! I mean, honestly, I woke up on Monday um, before game, but like after Ealer's goal and being up three nothing. And I honestly, the first thing I did was check my phone and pulled up the score app. And I, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, Jets five four. They did. They came back. They were down four yeah. one. They won that game. Oh, and Phil Mickelson also won the PGA at fifty. Just making sure that we're all. We're all clear with what actually happened in the world world of sports yesterday. It was yep. something. Let me ask you this, Curve, because we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what the Jets couldn't do back in the uh, in the eighties and nineties against the Edmonton Oilers. If Connor Hellebuck was with the Jets back then instead of now, do you think we would be talking about an entirely different history between these two clubs? Between these two clubs, absolutely. And to a man, everyone, uh, every member of the Jets from the, from those days would say, yeah, they had a great team with Gretzky and Messi and Curry up front, but that didn't matter. You could you could shut down one of those guys periodically. You could put Doug Smale maybe to mirror to shadow Gretzky, but Grant Fuhrer was the difference because he was the guy who was charged with making the last save in the last minute to put the Jets uh, out of their misery or to – to knock the Jets out. And, and Gretzky is on the record as saying that the difference was that they had a hall, one Hall of Fame goaltender and an almost Hall of Fame goaltender in Andy Moog. And the Jets just had pretty to really good goaltenders in 
and Dan Brithelm and Ryan Hayward and Pokey Reddick and later on Bob Essenza, although Essenza didn't play in game seven in 1990. So goaltending can make the difference. And I know going into this series, people were asking me about it. Uh, what were the comparisons? And, and, oh, geez, the Jets don't have a chance. I said, listen, goaltending can, can be the difference maker in a, in a seven game series. And we just have to look back at, uh, we just have to look back in 1990 when, when the Jets were up three, one and the, and, and they were, but, but Bob Murdoch kept alternating. <laughs> I'll never get over yeah. that. I'll never get over yeah, that. Yeah. Let's sit Bob Essence up for game seven. Yeah. And the Oilers had Ranford. It was Ranford. It was his, his, his series to win or lose. And the Oilers players like Craig Simpson said to me, as soon as they saw, that the Jets were all alternating goaltenders. And Ranford said this too. They knew that they had us because, especially in game seven, because when when you're the man, you know that you're in no matter what. If you're not sure about it, after every goal, you're looking over to the bench to see if the other guy is getting ready. And that that plays a, a big role in a goaltender's confidence. Yeah, well, Bob Essence almost had to get ready because Craig Simpson, who you just mentioned, speared Beauregard in the nuts in that game and almost knocked him out of the game, and yet that still didn't take him out of the net. And uh, there was Mud Murdoch just sitting there going, "Yeah, well, this is just the this is the way we've done it all year, so uh, let's roll that way." It does. It, it made no sense then. Thirty plus years later, it still doesn't make any sense now, Kerb. Kirk Kielback told me that. Um, he went out for breakfast with the coaching staff on uh, on Game Seven, the morning of Game Seven, and uh, he said, "Okay, well, who's starting tonight?" And Murdoch said, uh, "Beauregard," and Kielbeck said, "Yeah, good one. Okay, so seriously, who's starting?" No, Beauregard. And then at one point, when uh, when Murdoch got up to go to the washroom, he he asked uh, Claire Drake and Alpo Suinen, "Listen, guys, like now that he's gone, you can tell me, like, are you are you you're seriously wanting to play?" Beauregard. And they said, yep, we're playing Beauregard. He's, uh, Essen does more of a flopper and Beauregard's more stand-up. We think that's the kind of style we need right now. And so we're going with that. And, and I mentioned that to Essen and he said, yeah, they, they said to me, Steffi's going to play on in game seven. You're going to start game one of the next series. And Essen said, he thought to himself, I'm not sure that, uh, Bill Ranford's going to, uh, want it to go that way. And of course, uh, it didn't. And and Keelback said that he said to the coaches, "You guys might feel that way, but you guys are the only people who feel this way." And and the Jet, if you, if you ask any member of the Jets team, they were dumbfounded when they when they were told that Beauregard was starting. And the other thing is, that in the last half of the season, Beauregard didn't win any games, and the Jets. Oh, that too. <laughs> yeah, just a small small detail for in the playoffs. Uh, and the record that all the all, virtually all the wins in the lot down the stretch were by Essenza. And he was their number one goalie. He became the number one goalie during the year. And to not to not play your number one goalie, that's when, when that happened, the Oilers looked over and saw it. They knew they had the Jets. The Jets looked over, saw the Oilers looking at them. They knew it. Game seven was a fait accompli. Jeff Kerbison with us. He's the author of Broken Ribs and Popcorn, talking a little Jets Oilers history. And uh, of course, the big sweep of the Edmonton Oilers in round one for those of you wondering and I know Remus was mentioning I have no idea my phone is on silent I have made sure it's on silent twice and there's mystery noises coming out of it so um 
Hopefully that will be avoided going soon. Don't really know what to say about that, but I think it was my phone and yet it is on silent. So uh, we'll see whether that continues. Um, Curb, we've mentioned the, the, the book Broken Ribs and Popcorn. Um, you've done a couple of, of uh, long reads on the Jets. Um, for folks that maybe hadn't seen the book so far, give a little synopsis of it and uh, how they can pick it up. Well, this is sort of a sequel to a book I wrote a couple of years ago called The Hotline. It starts off with, it's essentially the, it's the story of the Jets of the 80s and how they how they started off as this sad sack outfit that grew out of this fantastic WHA team that won the last AFCO Cup, was stripped of most of its good players, players like Terry Ruskowski and Kent Nilsson and Kim Claxon, and uh, went through a couple of really, really lean years, including the second year when they had a 30-game winless streak. Let's not... Let's remember when a couple months ago when Buffalo had, lost, had was winless in 17 games and people were losing their minds. Listen, Buffalo, that's cute. 17 is cute. But you're not taking away our record. Like, come back to us when it's 25. And uh, and how the Jets became uh, after they started drafting players like Dave Babich and Dale Howarchuk and uh, how they became the best team in the NHL's most offensive era to not win. And their problem was... They played in the Smythe Division, which was the strongest division in hockey. And there were a number of seasons there where three of the top five teams in the whole league were in one division, and only one team was getting out. So you had Gretzky, run, Gretzky and company running up the score in a lot of their games. So they were going to finish first, and there was a big advantage finishing first because you didn't have – because if you finish first, you got to play Los Angeles or Vancouver, and you had the Flames and the Jets beat the tar out of each other. Uh, in the previous round, and then by, by the time you'd gone through your your uh, your relatively easy round, you you got to play this beat up team. And uh, the other thing to remember about this, it, we we talked about how close some of these games were, but the Jets had a it was a 16 game winless streak against the Oilers in the playoffs, which is unheard of. And Sather said to me, Glenn Sather said to me that. You, you you just you don't see that anymore. And but if the Jets had played it in the other division, he expects they would have seen them in the finals a couple of times. And the the fun part about it was that I got to bring in a tennis story, and that was that in the eighties, Vitas Garolitis and Jimmy Connors were two two of the top players in the world. But Connors had beaten Garolitis sixteen times in a row, just like the Oilers had beaten the Jets sixteen times in a row. And then in the seventeenth game. Or the 17th match between Connors and Garolitis. Garolitis' serve and volley game was working, working perfectly. His volleys were crisp. His returns were on. And he beat Connors, finally, after, after in his 17th game. And, uh, and then at the press conference afterwards, he had, a, he had a bottle of champagne there. And he was asked by one of the reporters, so, Vitas, what, uh, what was the difference today? And he looked at the guy and he pointed at him and he said, nobody beats Vitas Garolitis 17 times in a row. <laughs> and nobody beats the Winnipeg Jets 17 times in a row. Oh, that is exactly and, right. And, right. And, and it can be picked up at, uh, at all bookstores. It's at, uh, it's at McNally Robinson. It's at Who Done It, and, uh, and it's at, uh, at Chapters. Now, listen, uh, I, we do have a copy of the book, and I know you're going to do a trivia question. I think the best way to do for this is, uh, you know, we want you guys all to give Curb a follow as well. Um, so what you're going to want to do is go to Jeff Kerbison. It's G-O-F-F, G-E-O-F-F, Kerbison. So give him a follow. And what you're going to want to do is respond to Jeff with the correct answer. 
and Curb will pick a winner. But uh, Curb, what is what is the the Jets trivia question that you have for the Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners today? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you two, and I think that they uh, one is kind of one is for the best team that the Jets had, and that was the '84 '85 team. Uh, that was an uh, unfortunate. It was a, the best team the Jets had, but it was going up against not just the best team the Oilers ever had, but that 84-85 Oilers team was voted the best team in the history of the NHL. Period. <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's not including the 87 team where they got Kent Nilsson, and Kent Nilsson came on and played with Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson on a line that Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal said was the fastest line he'd ever seen in hockey. But so I have two questions. So you have to give me the uh, uh, the Jets had six players who scored more than 30 goals that year. And it was uh, uh, career highs for, I think, all of them. So I'd like to know who the six players were, how many goals they scored. I know this will be uh, people who just be Googling this right away. But also I want to know uh, who was the Jets player who wore number 99? Oh. Listen, I, I think I could nail both of these right now off the top of my head, but well, I will not. Possible. And, and I, some I, of the ones that would be harder would be would be ruder questions. And uh, this is a family <laughs> show. So there you go. Uh, the three, uh, the sorry, the six Jets 30 goal scorers from the 84-85 season and the only Jet ever to wear number 99. Tweet that and follow Jeff Kerbison at Geoff Kerbison. And... Um, Curb, you can tweet out the winner afterwards when you get to everyone out. And, um, of course, people, Amazon, McNally Robinson, check out the book, Broken Ribs and Popcorn. You can now safely read it. The nightmares have been erased because the Jets bounced the Oilers in four straight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Curb, uh, we got to run, but if you'd like to play us out with a, uh, with a nice tune, uh, feel free to start tickling the ivories. <laughs> oh, that's about it. <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> Take care of the kids. Hey, buddy, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Enjoy round two. Okay, thanks, guys. Good stuff. There's Jeff Kerbison. Uh, hit him up on Twitter with those answers. He'll get out uh, a copy of Broken Ribs and Popcorn to one of uh, the correct answers going forward. All right, we got Marty Baron coming up in just a second. Want to give a big shout out to a couple more of our sponsors. The weekend is here. The weather's getting nicer, and uh, that means it is blizzard time. Pop by the Nick and Nikki DQ group, any of their four locations, DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate. Both of those have drive throughs right now, so you can just scoot through without going in. We've also got the DQ at Polo Park and the DQ on St. Anne's. And if you've got a birthday or event coming up, nobody does cakes better than Dairy Queen and Nick and Nikki. And you can order it or contact them online on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. So be sure to give them a follow and pop by. Try the Drumstick Blizzard. It's new. I had it this week. It is an 11 out of 10, maybe the best that I have ever had. Um, and of course... Our brewing partners, Little Brown Jug, um, can't thank them enough for coming on board with us. We've had a great week doing some fun Little Brown Jug promos. We will do the marble race at the end of today for everyone that entered on the Instagram contest. But as you heard earlier, um, they've relaunched the website. It's easier than ever to order beer. Remus actually just did order beer earlier, and there's the potential for a live Little Brown Jug delivery at some point today to the Winnipeg Sports Talk Command Center. 
over with Michael Remus. So um, littlebrownjug.ca. And again, if you do want to pick up tomorrow at Shelburne's Garden Center, they're going to be there from 11 to 4. You can go onto the website, buy what you like, and select pick up at Shelburne's um, and kill two birds with one stone. Get your gardening stuff and some cold LBJs to uh, celebrate all the hard work out in the garden. And, of course, our friends at Assiniboia Downs, live racing is back on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week. I have some ground to make up in my betting contest with Michael Remus. Um, but you can order, or you can get your HPI bet account right now um, and bet on races around the world. I believe late last night, Remo dropped a toonie on an Australian horse race. So, um Listen, it's 24-7 if you want to get into it, but the time you need to know, 7.20 parade to post, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and 6.45, go to the Assiniboia Downs website for ASD Live with some handicapping tips for those evening's races. All right, let's get back to uh, back to the show and welcome in our good friend, Marty Baron to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. Marty, what's going on? How are you? I'm enjoying listening to all the racing action that you guys have going on. I uh, actually have a few horses. My girls ride, but my grandfather rode the uh, the Trotters and Pacers with the carts back in the days of the Hippodrome in Montreal and Quebec City. So I love that stuff. Oh, man, a lot of fun. And obviously right now, unfortunately, uh, we are not able to get out to the track. We're still uh, in a pretty bad spot with the virus here. So everyone's staying home right now. But I will tell you, Marty, I think people, despite how um, you know unfortunate the situation is for real life right now, uh, Winnipeggers, Manitobans and Winnipeg Jet fans feeling pretty good about their hockey team after a four-game sweep of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, what did you think? How did they do it? And uh, what do you think about the Jets moving on to the second round after what you saw in the first four? Very impressive. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck was really good in that four-game uh, sweep. But, uh, you know, when you think about the weakness of the Jets throughout the season, everybody was telling, saying it's the defense, the defense core. They needed to add at the trade deadline, which they didn't do. And um, I actually thought that DeMello and Morrissey were fantastic against Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. And really, to be honest with you, like after game one, when the Jets beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-1, it was really a 2-1 to hockey game with two empty netters. And then the Edmonton Oilers decide, let's put Dreisaitl and McDavid together. And I thought that because of the way DeMello and Morrissey played against Dreisaitl and McDavid together, that the Edmonton Oilers were going to go away from that, try to generate more offense by separating them again, which they never did. The Oilers just stuck to their two big guys on the top line, uh, which was very interesting to me. But the Jets really found a way to uh, uh, to play well defensively against McDavid and Dreisaitl, and it was the key. I was very impressed uh, by Paul Maurice and his, uh, his plan. Maurice said, listen, I can come up with 400 game plans uh, to uh, counter McDavid. I don't know if any of them will work. Well, the number one plan was Morrissey DeMello, and it did work. Yeah, and, and, you know, we talked to Maurice uh, two days ago on the program, and, you know, he had a lot of praise for Mark Scheifele's line. And, Marty, if yep. you go back to the regular season, I mean, to be frank, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl ate the Jets' lunch uh, more often than not at the expense of Mark Scheifele and his line. I believe the five-on-five -five scoring in the season when they were head-to-head -head was 10-2. to And, of course, the Oilers had won six straight games. Um, you know, Scheifele has never been thought of as – 
you know, an elite defensive player. But, you know, and it did cost maybe a little bit of offense early on, but the commitment that they had really led by Blake Wheeler on that top line, um, you know, put together, I think, the best 200-foot performance, if you will, of Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler that we've seen in a long time. And especially Shifley, who was singled out by the coach in Game 4, is playing one of the best games he's seen in a long, long time from 55. Yeah, absolutely. He had a couple of really nice one-timers. But again, the inability for the Edmonton Oilers to adjust. So the first two games in Edmonton, you're thinking, okay, the Oilers are going to take advantage of the matchup. They're going to go straight ahead, make David against Shifley. And Shifley's line did fantastic. So you're thinking, okay, maybe we want to change that up a little bit. And then in the third and fourth game, when the Jets had the matchup advantage being at home, now you saw Shifley's line really take over. And the addition of Nikolai Ehlers really helped. Now, Ehlers wasn't great in the first period of game three. But in the second period, he got himself going. In the third, obviously, with the overtime game-winning goal. And I thought Ehlers really helped solidifying that top six group by being part of the lineup. So in game one and two, I think they snuck it out in Edmonton by winning those two. But in three and four, the Jets were clearly the better team, in my opinion. And, you know, and the other thing about the return of Ehlers, I mean, it completely changes the what the look of that second line. I mean, yes. he has been such a driver and arguably the Jets' best forward for, you know, for this season. The other part of it, Marty, is that, you know, Andrew Koff's been so versatile and he's had a career season but to get caught back on the wing with his usual running mates in Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And once that happened, we saw midway through game three, Paul Maurice switch the matchup to the Lowry cop line, which freed up Shifley's line a little bit more for a little bit more offense. And, um, you know, when it comes to a 200-foot line, a checking line in the league, um, you'd be hard-pressed to find many better than the Lowry line in both ends of the ice. Yeah, Lowry's line was fantastic. And again, you got to give credit to Paul Maurice for adjusting. It's 4-1, the Oilers, and you have to get something going. Now, it, I don't think it was really what the Jets did that got him back in the game. It was what Archibald did uh, to big Logan Stanley and the, the, the submarine that ended up costing him a game suspension and a power play uh, for the Jets that scored. I think it was Perot that scored on that power play goal. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you really got the sense that the lines were rolling and the Lowry line did a great job. It freed up more offense for the Winnipeg Jets. They get themselves back in the game. They win an OT. All of a sudden, you feel like the Jets are in full control of that series and they did not look back in game four. But I, you know what? Yes, you're right. You have your top six that plays so well. You have that checking line that can go out and play against anybody. You have a fourth line that's eating minutes and really uh, providing you some good support. I think we've said it all along. For the last two, three years, the Jets are a well-built team. They, they just kind of couldn't put it all up together. And their defense was maybe their Achilles heel, especially when they lost Bufflin and Myers and, and everybody else. But now, all of a sudden, you know, you put it all together. You're, you're an underdog against the Edmonton Oilers, who really dominated during the regular season. And you overcome that. I think, in my opinion, I mean, the Toronto-Montreal series is not over. They've got a big match, game six mm-hmm. on Saturday night. But for me, the Jets were the team that I said, if Toronto is going to have an issue getting through the North Division, it's going to be the Winnipeg Jets in the second round. And right now, we could have that matchup. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. 
Well, and, you know, it doesn't matter what matchup you're talking about. Goaltending is such a big part of it. I don't think there's anyone we love talking about goaltending more than with you. Um, before we talk about the other series, um, what did you think of Connor Hellebuck the season, but especially the way he was trending going into the playoffs and the, the performance that he delivered for his club with four straight wins, three of them in overtime? See, Connor Hellebuck has a little bit of Carey Price in him, and or maybe Carey Price has Connor Hellebuck in him, whichever way you want to look at it. But when they're calm and they're walking that fine line that they are calm but not nonchalant. If you're nonchalant, the problem is that you uh, you, you kind of take things easy or for granted. Connor Hellebuck was really calm, even though there was moments where he felt the pressure come in from McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and, and everybody else. Uh, he was very calm through it. It really led by leadership right there and showing the rest of your team, I've got this. Don't worry. I'm not swimming in like a fish out of water. I'm not chasing the game. I'm going to let the game come to me. So I thought it was excellent in that way. The rebound control was really good, which allowed uh, or the defense to box out, but it did not allow Edmonton to have second and third opportunities. The, the Oilers were coming in, one shot, one chance, boom, there's no rebound. That is a big key for Connor Hellebuck. He's not the fastest and the most athletic goaltender in the National Hockey League. You can point out to guys like Vasilevsky and Flurry that are very athletic. But Hellebuck, with his rebound control, is able to avoid having to be athletic. And that was a big key in the way he played. So, yeah, there's a little bit of Carey Price, Hellebuck in their games. And, and when they're successful, they play very calm. Yeah, and, and Maurice has often said that when Hellebuck is at his best, um, it isn't spectacular. I believe you referred to it as big and boring, and that's a good thing for a goaltender, right? Because it means you're in position and you're handling the shots as they come, and you're and the guys in front of you are probably helping you see them too. Yeah, and that was the way that I liked to play my game when I was later in my career, is big and boring. Now, I, I wasn't the most athletic, acrobatic. I was not flexible at all. I worked with young kids, goaltenders, and they all want to be Marc-Andre Fleury. They all, all want to be Andre Vasilevsky. They all want to be these athletic goaltenders that are super flexible, but maybe your body doesn't allow you to do that. Connor Hellebuck looks to me like a very stiff goalie. When he goes butterfly, he's not in the splits. His legs are not super wide. He's very compact. He's big, and he takes up the uh, the main part of the net. So my son's a 16-year-old goalie, and he's like me. He's stiff. And I said, look at Connor Hellebuck. The way he plays the game is so efficient that that is how goalies like Hellebuck, goalies like me, goalies like my son or whatnot are going to be able to be successful. So that makes a huge difference when you have somebody to look up to. And Connor Hellebuck is becoming that guy that can – Preach for all the non-flexible people out there, boys and girls. They can't do the splits. Well, no big deal. You don't have to. You can play a simple, boring game and still be efficient. Marty Barant is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, discussing the Jets, moving on to round two in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, as you mentioned, Marty, we've got game six between the Habs and Leafs on Saturday night. Winner of that series will be the next opponent for the Winnipeg Jets. What have you thought about that series? And, and maybe start off with the goaltending matchup between Carey Price and Jack Campbell. Well, I think if you look at Jack Campbell, uh, yesterday was not a good game for him. He showed a little weakness. He showed that he was uh, maybe out of energy a little bit. He laid around, rolled around the ice a little too much. So hey, it's one game. In a seven-game series, you may have a game that's not your best. That's okay. I mean, it just happens. But you have to overcome that. So Jack Campbell's been great for the Leafs. He's played very solid for them. They were up 3-1. Like, he was a big part of that. Now it's 3-2. I mean, it's no big deal. You continue moving forward. 
Carey Price, on the other hand, has been spectacular, and he has to be. He has to be because the Montreal Canadiens don't score any goals. They don't give him any support. So he has to be perfect. You know, yesterday was a 4-3 game. He got lucky. They scored four goals, and they needed overtime to do it. Uh, but you saw in the third period that the Leafs were coming back and they were pressing. The Leafs still had the better scoring chances, uh, the most amount of scoring chances between the two uh, teams last night, and Price was was really good. But uh, it's an interesting matchup because, again, it goes like an old-school goaltender like Jack Campbell that plays the position a little bit on the feel of the game and Carey Price that's so sound technically. So it's fun for me to watch that and see what the benefits are from both styles and how you can combine them. Uh, who do you think is a tougher matchup for the Winnipeg Jets in round two? Oh, I think it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think right now if I had to look at round two, I still think that the Leafs – because, listen, the Leafs were, were dominating the North Division all year. So I think I would put the Leafs in seven if they were to play the Winnipeg Jets. And people in Winnipeg, don't, don't yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm just saying I think it would go to seven. But at that point, you can flip a coin in the air and the Jets could take it. So – I still think the Jets are the better team to oust the Leafs at any point in the first two rounds. Uh, it wasn't the Oilers and it was not the Montreal Canadiens. But if the Canadiens were to surprise the Leafs and win game six and seven, this is going to be a Jets win in five. Listen, they would dominate the Montreal Canadiens, in my opinion, uh, with their physicality. Right now, Montreal is trying to be physical against the Leafs. They're hitting everybody. They're creating turnovers. Well, the, the, the Jets can play that physical game, so I don't think Montreal would be in, in, in good company if the Jets uh, were their opponents in, in the second round. You know, and I'll tell you what, maybe this is just a very optimistic Winnipeg point of view, but I have to say that if it gets to a Game 7, much like it was in overtime and overtime and in triple overtime, there's a special confidence that a team has, and I think a fan base has, when you have a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck yep. in the net in those big moments. And he's shown it over and over again and certainly did in the first round. But, uh, Marty, have you ever played three straight overtime games? What does that do to a team? I mean, as far as, well, listen, you know, it tires you out. They've got the rest. But, I mean, moving forward, We've heard a lot about the belief and the togetherness of this Winnipeg Jets team. But when you have a win, a series win like they had with so many tight games and winning the way they did, what can that do for a team going forward as they continue um, the uh, quest for the Stanley Cup? Well, look at the Carolina Hurricanes right now. They won in overtime last night. They beat the Nashville Predators in six games. Rod Brindamore comes into the locker room after the game. He says, we're a family. That's what family do, do, family does. They stick together. They get to overtime. They stick together. They find a way to win. That's what the Jets did. And I have no other example than the 93 Montreal Canadiens. Like, I was a huge Quebec Nordiques fan. And when Tim Mussolini scored his 70 some goal against Stefan Fizet and threw the glove in the air. Like I was devastated, right? I love the Nordiques. But in 93, in the first round, that's how Montreal ended up beating Quebec with overtimes. And then in the second round, they beat Buffalo uh, with three overtime wins. And then they kept on going winning overtime. And if you look at the Montreal Canadiens in 93, they weren't the best team, but they were the best group to be put together and be able to stick together and be a family. You had Denis Savard who wasn't even dressed, and he was on the bench in a suit, right? Like, that's that's how that team came together as a family. And all these overtime wins, yes, there's a little bit of luck, but when you look at it, you need a team that is going to stick together. And the teams that do that the best usually are most successful, especially under pressure and overtime. 
I'm glad you brought up the 93 Habs because I didn't want to, but I'd be lying if there wasn't a little part of me that goes, wow, three overtime wins. I mean, what what did Montreal have that year? They had a pretty solid, deep team, and they had Patrick Waugh in net. And, you know, there are some similarities. If you just want to look at what we just saw from the Winnipeg Jets through four games, um, you know, it kind of reminded me of that club that has a little something special going, especially when it comes down to sudden death overtime. And who knows whether that will continue. But if you want if you want a, a series to get your playoff mojo going, I can't imagine it going much better than the way things went for the Winnipeg Jets in round one. Because they had to earn every single game. They had to play extra. I mean, these were this look, there was no easy wins, but at the same time they got them and now they get some very valuable rest getting ready for a team that you know, be starting a series relatively quickly after finishing off their opponent, regardless of who wins. Yeah, and I'm still tired from the game Monday night. I believe, uh, <laughs> you know, it was 2.06 Eastern time when that game was over. By the time I was done doing some work after the game and a sports center hit, it was, you know, 3 a.m. when I uh, got out of my suit. So I'm still tired. I can't imagine what it was like for those players. But now they got the rest. They get to ease up. They get to practice Practice does not happen at all this season. Now you get to work on part of your games that you need to practice. If it is a special teams or forechecks or defensive zone coverage, you get to do some different things. It's going to be really important for the Jets to be able to do that. And I look at it as, again, you look at the defense score of the Jets. They surprised me. In that third overtime game, they rolled 6D. They kept coming, right? They, they used everybody on D. What did the Edmonton Oilers do? They went to four. Like Darnell Nurse played 62 minutes. Why? Because they couldn't trust the back end in Edmonton, but the Jets could trust their back end. And uh, lastly for that one, if you go back to 93 with the Montreal Canadiens, they had Jacques Demers as a coach. Jacques was a very, very uh, good players coach. He played the psychological aspect of the game a little bit like Paul Maurice, and uh, they, uh, they are all very respected in the game. Marty Baron with us here. Uh, you know, Marty, you know, we've all season long have been focusing so much on the Canadian division. Obviously, you being in Buffalo got a pretty good look yep. at many of the uh, the south the teams south of the border. It took me about half a season to kind of wake up to what the Minnesota Wild were doing. <laughs> and and you know, this is a team, Marty, that over the last few years we've seen a ton of the Minnesota Wild, you know, in the central division, and they were a team that was getting older, they were getting slower. Um, you know, they were crippled by some contracts and, you know, they make a change at general manager. They make a change at coach, bring in a player like Kaprizov. And if you hadn't been, I've said this maybe earlier on the show or earlier this week, next year, if you have not paid any attention to the Minnesota Wild, we're going to get back into the central division and you're going to see this team going, what the heck happened? What, where did the old Minnesota Wild go? Thoughts on that team. And of course, tonight's game seven as the Vegas Golden Knights have had two chances to finish them off but have not been able to kill the Minnesota Wild. It is going to be wild in Vegas tonight for Game 7. Let me tell you this. I believe, I don't know, this is just a hutch. Max, Max Pacioretty, I believe, will be in the lineup. They had to send Cody Glass down to the minors uh, on Tuesday. I think it was to open up a spot for Pacioretty. Obviously, uh, Cody Glass did play with the Silver Knight in their AHL playoffs. So maybe there's a back and forth going on there. But I think Pacioretty comes back. And if he does, this would be a huge boost for the Vegas Golden Knights. But as you're talking about the Minnesota Wild, their group of defense, like I know Cam Talbot's playing fantastic. And you guys all know like Cam Talbot and, you know, playing with Calgary the last few years and, and Edmonton before that. Like he's had some up and down season. But with the Minnesota Wild, he's been fantastic. 
And he's been fantastic because the group of defense in front of him, their top four defensemen have been together for a long time. They're easy to play behind because you can read and, and react off of them. Uh, Minnesota somehow is not providing a ton of offense uh, with their fours. Like Hartman's had a good, a good series. Um, you've got Zuccarello that only has, I think, a couple of assists, and one was a great pass to Kaprizov. Kaprizov has been quiet, but it's all from the back end. The blue line is providing a ton of offense, and they are able to uh, play that playoff-style hockey that neutralizes and suffocates the, the energy from the Vegas Golden Knights. There's been some interesting calls, though, goaltender interference challenges that have happened. Foligno got called in a game earlier in the series. I thought that should have been a good goal. Alex Tuck got called uh, for a goal interference the other night. I thought that should have been a good goal. So for me, there's been a little bit of uh, gamesmanship uh, from both coaches in in, uh, in that series. So it's been interesting, and, and tonight is going to be fun. Now, it's a late game for us on the East Coast, but you guys, it's uh, it's right in your kitchen. You get dinner, you put the kids uh you know, to bed and you end up watching a game seven. That's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll be more than happy to take an eight o'clock game in the West Coast, Marty. I mean, for crying out loud, the game four locally started at 845 here. Nashville got it last <laughs> night. That's sort of part of being in the central time zone. Yep. Sometimes you got to eat it and uh, start late. Um, and But you know what? The late start just made it even more of a legendary game in game four when the Jets had to go into the wee hours of Tuesday morning to finish yep. off the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, speaking of goaltending, I couldn't help but feel sorry for Sidney Crosby and the rest of the Penguins and really for Tristan Jari as well. I mean, when the game got tight, he just couldn't even mix in a save. Uh, was it as simple as that? Goaltending cost the Pittsburgh Penguins or is this another case of Barry Trotz being uh, maybe the best playoff coach in the game and getting more of his team than anybody else does. It was twofold with goaltending when you look at that series between the Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. One, uh, Varlamov, Simeon Varlamov, could not win a game. He came into game two. He was bad on a goal early. Then he was good for the rest of the game, but you can't give up freebies like the one he gave up. And then game three, he gave up a couple of bad goals as well. So then they turn around and they go back to Sorokin, who had one game one. And he wins game four, five, six. I mean, that was the boost that the Islanders needed. Just solid goaltending, which is not what Pittsburgh got. Pittsburgh got decent goaltending early on. And then it just went from bad to worse to worse. In game six, I thought, listen, Jari's going to come up. He's going to, you know, all that experience, uh, you know, in juniors, he was really good under pressure. He's going to come out with a big, big effort. And unfortunately, he gave up a couple of stinker. The last one that made it 5-3, right through to 5-0. So those are not the type of performance that you need to have in the playoffs. Marty, I know you got to run real quick. Carolina-Tampa, who do you like in that series? It should be awesome. I'm going to pick Tampa on that one. They showed me how strong they can be in the first round. I really like Florida all season. Their goaltending was iffy, but still, I think Tampa wins that one. Marty, thanks so much for the time. You are the best. Uh, everyone loving your visit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. You be well, my friend. Well, I'll come up for the horse racing and for the beer that you were talking about earlier. I'd like to have some of that too. <laughs> Full spread for you. We'll get a tea time at Breezy Bend for you. We'll do it up, Marty, as soon as we okay. are available. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, pal. There he is, Thank Marty Baron. I, I have to tell you, um, you know, we've been lucky enough to be doing this for a few years, and we've had incredible people on the program, you know, dating back over 10 years to working with Gary before we even went over to the Pemina Highway office. And 
Marty Baron, without a doubt, one of my top five, top three favorite guys to talk about. Been seeing everyone's comments in the chat. Um, Remo, it, it doesn't get much better. And something about the old goaltenders. We had Noodles on, uh, was it last week or a couple weeks ago? He was amazing. But, you know, honestly, Marty Baron is a guy I could literally, I would pay to sit down at a bar stool and just listen to Marty talk hockey all night. Yeah, Marty was awesome. Wow, listening to him talk about the Jet series, talk about Connor Hellebuck. He's got so much enthusiasm. You know why he's on TV. He came with the pro setup, uh, maybe one of the best rooms that we've seen on the show. Uh, the symmetrical chairs, the shelf <laughs> behind him, the centering. Uh, Marty's a Marty's a pro. That was that was very well done. I was like, Marty, you want to test? He's like, No, we're good. I got good Wi-Fi. I can I can handle this. So. Uh, <laughs> I got to send him a big, a big thank you. That was, uh, yeah, that was awesome. no, for sure. It was, um, that honestly, one of my favorite segments we've done since starting Winnipeg sports talk. And obviously it's a fun, fun topic right now for those of us here in Winnipeg talking about this win over the series, uh, over the win, uh, Edmonton Oilers, but some pretty interesting insight as to, you know, potential matchups in round two, what Marty likes about the Winnipeg jets, as well as, you know, uh, a potential, tough out with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the next round if they're able to finish off the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, they'll have a chance to finish off those Habs tomorrow night in game number six. 2,500 fans in the building. Remo, what do you think about the fans in the building in Montreal? I mean, let's face it, this is the biggest building in the National Hockey League. 2,500 is 10% capacity. Um, They're not going to be packed in. Do you think that'll have any effect uh, on the game other than Hopefully, make it a little bit more enjoyable for fans to watch it with a few at least live bodies in the in the stands. I have no idea. I think we've seen some other you know some other places that have had like five thousand fans, and you're surprised at the impact. I mean, we'll see. I know they're here. You want to? I can pull up the seating chart uh, right now. And here, I got it right here. Let's bring it up. So here it is. So they're they're seating them all around, and you know you look at these tickets. Cheapest one, Huss, comes to thirteen hundred, and you're Whoa! sitting, you're sitting three thirty one. So like over here, the top left, three thirty one, uh, thirteen hundred on Ticketmaster. Now that's a resale price, but still, uh, not cheap. So, um, I mean, I don't like, know. Maybe they'll down, make. Like, an... What are some of the good seats? Like pop down into uh, like here. the P ones. Like what? Uh, what are those going for right now in the resale market? Let me just um, let me just bring so you can actually see the prices. Let me just edit this thing. Oh man, my screen is way too long. But uh, here, you want to see what the prices are? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested as to what the prices are <laughs> okay. going for right so now. So let's go. If you want to sit center ice, one thirteen. No seats available. No seats. No seats. Does anyone have any seats available? What about these two back here? 20, 25, hun, right there, section 107. <laughs> now, I guess the real question is, like, is anyone buying these? Like, are people, I don't know if people are actually buying them or not, but, uh, yeah, that's not, not I cheap. I think there's the potential that those prices may go down. I mean, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about, you know, supply and demand, and... The demand is massive. I mean, this is Toronto and the Leafs. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these tickets are bought up by Leaf fans that make the trip in, um, that have the jack to throw down a couple Gs a ticket. Um, But again, you're only talking about 2,500. The supply is so limited. The demand is so high. 
I can't say I'm surprising. What I'm very, what I'm interested to know is, and I have not seen or heard any real information on this, is how they decided to sell the tickets originally. I mean, did they just go to select season ticket holders and give them an opportunity to do it, and then all of these people are just reselling because they had the opportunity to buy them? Did they do a first come? And what was the actual face value ticket like what are the canadians charging for these seats as opposed to yeah. what ticketmaster is gouging people in the secondary market that was secondary market so it's probably season ticket holders who bought them for like what a like couple hundred bucks i saw it was i didn't see what it, what it was but um the original but uh, price of those but i think i heard it <laughs> Mike, was like a couple hundred Mike Wynn in the chat. Who can afford those seats? Not me. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, not I'd rather able stay to home. drop a couple grand on, uh, like Although, maybe for the Super Bowl, I could eat two mm. grand for a ticket. But um, game six, Habs, Leafs. Uh, but it is big. I mean, these teams haven't been playing, haven't played in the playoffs since 1979. There have been no fans for over a year. Um, I, I can't, I'm not surprised at the prices on it. But bottom line, I'm just looking forward to the fact, uh, Remo, that. We will have some live bodies in, and you can only hope that that's a sign of things to come for those of us here out west. I will say this. I mean, you know if you're going to that game, uh, you're not waiting in line to use the bathroom, and they're probably going to be a lot cleaner than normal because there's no one there. So that would definitely be uh, an incentive. <laughs> that's what I think about. I mean, you, you, and I don't think you can get food there. I saw on Twitter you can't get food because you've got to keep your mask on. No, no food, no booze. So uh, you're going to have to – you're going to have to take – care of yourself uh, figure figure it out before you uh, before you get in there um so as i said special uh, appearance on a friday of kenny weeb coming up uh, he and rennie after a great show this morning have something else cooking up this afternoon with josh morrissey we'll tell you about that coming up a little bit later on uh before we get to ken want to shout out our friends at breezy bend Country Club, our golf sponsor, um, you know, the course is in absolutely mint shape. Problem is, you can only golf by yourself right now. Although, if you like doing that, probably a bit easier to get a tee time. Uh, but they're doing some amazing work on the course right now. Cannot wait to get out there a little bit later on this season. And if you're thinking about a membership for next season, the waiting list is growing Get on it now, breezybend.ca, or give them a call. Talk to our good friend Corey Johnson, GM of the year, and um, they'll talk to you about uh, maybe get out and joining us at Breezy Bend next season. And speaking of Breezy, wanted to give a quick look at the PGA Tour Charles Schwab Challenge, which right now is suspended due to inclement weather. But Jason Kokrak, um, back-to-back 565s, he is the leader right now at 10 under par. Sebastian Munoz got it to 8 along with Sergio Garcia and Jordan Spieth. Spieth was seven under yesterday. He's only two holes into his round and one under. So he's got 16 holes to get up and pass Kokrak right now. Um, We've got Adam Hadwin, though. Adam Hadwin, two under for his round. He's on the seventh hole, and he is tied for seventh at six under. So a nice start for Adam Hadwin. Colin Morikawa in the top ten as well. My guy, Tony Finau, is at tied for 13th. He's at four under par. And um, just looking at some of the other top names, you might recognize Justin Rose at two. My guy, Benny on at two under par. And Will the Thrill Zalatoris, one under after one. He's two under. Uh, we'll look forward to it. It should be a great Sunday out at the Charles Schwab. See what happens on tour. And Phil, for his part, shot three over yesterday, was asked if he was disappointed about playing the way he did after winning the PGA last week. And he said, well, I didn't play very well, 
but I'm the PGA champion and just smiled at the media and moved on. Nobody does it better than Phil. Thanks again to Breezy Bend. There you are. Breezy Bend Advantage right up on the screen. How about this production level from our friends, Michael Remus? And I'll tell you what, may as well shout out by our friends at Aikens Lake as well. We had Elliot, our former guide, one of the experts, one of the guys that basically taught me how to fish because I didn't know a damn thing by the time I got to Aikens. Um, world-class fly-in fishing lodge right here in Manitoba. You can literally be on the water from the city in less than two hours. There's our friend Pritt Turen. The Turen family runs the place. Uh, find out more, akinslake.ca, or akinslake.com, excuse me, or on Twitter, at Aikens Lake. Normally packed with Americans through June into July. <laughs> Not a lot of tourism going on in Manitoba right now, so some unique opportunities to get out there. Uh, I cannot recommend a place more than Aikens Lake. Some of my favorite experiences ever in the summer have been there, and we can't wait to get there a little bit later on. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines later on this afternoon. And of course, if you're with us live right now in the chat and you entered our Instagram contest, make sure to stay till the end. Our biggest marble race ever for a Little Brown Jug gift certificate to finish off what will be a very fun Friday. But speaking of fun, let's welcome in our pal Ken Weeb, Sportsnet contributor and one half of Kenny and Rennie. Weeber, happy Friday to you. Great to see you. What's going on? And uh, for the plug earlier, and you know, Marty Baron, tough guest to follow, but we're going to do our best here. I, I know, Remus, this is not the pro setup, but uh, good product placement over the shoulder here. Yes, you're sounding good. Where did you get the logo? Did you get that made up on Amazon or something like that? Uh, I how, think, how did uh, took care of it for Sean and I. And oh, they, nice. Also nice. impressive, Colin Jensen, our cameraman, has the Kenny and Rennie uh, three original masks made that we unveiled this week as well. <laughs> before before we start, guys, we do have to uh, intro song for Kenny. We need. Oh to yes, play please, yes, please do. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk, Ken Weeb. Hit it, Reem. Weeb's world, Weeb's world, it's party time. Excellent, Weeb's world, Weeb's world, it's party time. Excellent. Oh, Weeb's man. World is in the house. Shout Plus, out to a... our man, Brian Aiken. Brian Aiken. That was a ditty he made for us back in the day. Sent it to us. I'm like, you better believe Love we're it. playing that the next time we have Ken on. It's been way too long since we heard that on the airwaves, Huss. Uh, that was one of the classics at the time. And uh, now, would it count as a classic now? It's only been a few years, but uh, you love to see it. It's still a class. It's timeless is what it is, Ken. It's timeless. And, uh, you know, we'll probably be playing that again on Winnipeg Sports Talk 1-4. But a special shout out to our pal Brian Aiken. Bravo, Bri, in the world of the internet. Uh, great supporter of ours and uh, did some real fun stuff and sent that over to us. Um, first off, how was the show this morning? 9 a.m. You guys got after it with the Friday show. A lot of people, I think, are used to you guys doing the post-game shows and a little Instagram pregame setup. But... 9 a.m. every Friday is the time where you guys do your weekly show, and uh, was another good one this morning, Weaver. Yeah, tremendous, uh, and thanks for the plug yesterday on that as well. I mean, Tim McAuliffe and Scott Oak, just uh, fantastic stuff, great insight, and both kind of touched on some personal tragedies uh, that sort of led to some legacy projects in terms of both their you know personal and professional careers. And I uh, love to see what uh, Scott has been doing with his family with the Bruce Oak Recovery Center. It was a big week for them as well, and. Uh, Tim talked about his passion after losing his brother who played at the University of Western Mustangs and just great backstories. Like these guys are uh, great fountains of knowledge when it comes to the industry itself, but just great passion for 
for sports, for the business uh, that we work in, and and just quality human beings, Huss. I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing uh, about being able to share those people's backstories and their personalities with the the viewers and the listeners. Well, Scott Oak's the best, and I'm a huge fan of Tim McAuliffe, although always being on the other side of the fence. I've never really come across with him professionally, but, you know, big, big fan of what he does. And you're right. I mean, to me... Uh, th- th- this entire format, sports talk, I mean, you want to have people that know what they're talking about, but at the end of the days, I mean, you know, we're hanging out together. I mean, you want it to be with good dudes, and McAuliffe right there at the top of the list when I think of good dudes in Canadian sports media. Oh, no doubt, and, and I mean, Huss, you also, you know, you fall under that category as a man of the people and have been for, for many moons, but uh, Tim's just a fantastic human being and, you know, haven't had the opportunity to work with him like Sean has, but uh, he's just gone completely out of his way to help support the show. I mean, he's given a couple of great shout-outs in terms of the Jets promotions and the spots that we've done leading into his show, and uh, we can't be more thankful for that but just quality human beings as you know i mean you know scott oak and his people that great classic 2018 and we kind of got into it i mean how how different it was and scott having been in the building for you know game three against nashville in 2018 which had that rousing rally from three nothing very similar except this was a third period rally and a you know ot winner from nikolai ehlers who was coming back in the lineup uh, as we've all talked about and as andrew cop so aptly pointed out if you're a sports fan in this province, those games three and four would have probably been among the most fun nights you could have had in a building uh, had we not been under these uh, circumstances. Well, you know, it's a great point. <clears throat> and we had Kerbison on earlier and speaking about, you know, his book and going back. And I mean, I was in the building for the Dave Ellett goal. It was probably the highlight of my sports watching life for you know, the better part of the next 20 years. I mean, nothing else was going on, certainly here in Winnipeg, that would have rivaled that. Um, we've had some similar moments this week, and the crazy thing is, I mean, it seems like a year ago that Paul Stastny became an overtime hero. Then it was Nikolai Ehlers in the comeback, and then, of course, triple overtime for Kyle Connor. I mean, Ken, you could make an argument, especially when you add in the tortured history of the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers, that... Some of these wins and overtime wins, albeit first-round matchups, some some of the biggest wins in the playoff history of the NHL Jets, obviously the WHA Jets in a bit of a different category with their championships. Yeah, no doubt, Huston. I mean, as you know, whether we, we were teenagers or not quite there yet, even look back into the 80s and some of those moments where it looked like the Jets were maybe going to get over the hump, if you will, only to be disappointed by, you know, a great play by Messier here, a great goal by Curry there, or a great pass by Gretzky there. Man, there, there was so much heartache when it came to that, And as you touched on, 1990. Well, Gretzky's not there, so maybe this is the year, right? You know, up 3-1 in that series, and then nothing but heartache and, uh, you know, constant, uh, you know, <laughs> stress over Bob Essens and not starting game seven. And now, the, as you mentioned, the, the tortured history, there were there was a lot of emotional scar tissue that I think that got kind of touched on in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. But I think that would be a, a big part of the exorcism. You can't erase those memories, but I think that was certainly an important step forward uh, for Jets point 2.0 fan base. And it was just fun to see, right? I mean, this the atmosphere in the building. And I love how open and honest Blake Wheeler was and as someone who has been involved in one of those four comebacks from 3-0 but he was on the wrong side of the comeback in 2010 against the Philadelphia Flyers and 
When someone like that says you don't want to give the opponent life, he's not lying. He's seen it firsthand and he knows how quickly a series can go poof. I mean, Josh Archibald, if he doesn't make that hit, we might still be talking about a series that is ongoing and that's not oh, yeah. that's not to, to take nothing away from the way the jets played uh, just because of the nature of how the series was set up that could have easily been 2-2 going back to edmonton and no one would have batted an eyelash right so i mean the fact that they were able to pull through and come up with those three overtime wins in succession was an impressive job for you know quite frankly you know a lot of people that had written that team off uh, in terms of a team that had given them a pl- bunch of beatdowns uh, in the regular season including six in a row Hey, let me ask you this. Um, you know, there's always the thought, I mean, you, you want to win a series as quickly as you can, um, but people say the rest versus rust going into the next season. I mean, from my perspective, the ability to, to rest as much possible, especially if you have designs on a long playoff run, uh, it can be so invaluable. But, but the other part of it, Ken, is the ability for the coaching staff to extensively game plan for, right now, two possible opponents um, but the other side of it is that, you know, they actually are going to be able to practice. They'll probably get more practice time right now than they've had in the last two months. Uh, how important do you think this sweep will be when we get to round two? Yeah, and you're not exaggerating there, Huss. I mean, we know what the March oh. and April were like for the Jets, especially March with the 17 games. It, for me, it, it's a trickle down in a lot of places. Yes, we know that Connor Hellebuck in, in, enjoys the rhythm of the game, but when you're the busiest goaltender in the National Hockey League and you've made the most starts and seen the most action, of course you could benefit from a week off or whatever it is. For Pierre-Luc Dubois, who probably didn't have seven practices the entire season, the opportunity for him to get an opportunity to skate with Nikolai Ehlers and Paul Stasty on a regular basis somewhere other than in-game circumstances, that to me is going to be a massive factor. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois the ability to be an X-factor in the next round. There were some glimpses again during that series. He started to get his shot opening up, started to find some chemistry there with Stastny and Ehlers. And speaking of Ehlers, no one will benefit more than Nikolai Ehlers from this break, given the fact that he missed the final nine games of the regular season, the first two games of the playoff run, came back and then played the equivalent of three games in two nights. Uh, and, Oh, by the way, while I'm while I'm inserting myself back into the series, how about two goals, including the OT winner? I thought his legs were still there in game four. But the more important thing for him is he was starting to get involved physically. So we know or we suspect it was a shoulder issue. The fact that he was not shying away from contact, I think, was a big development. But as we've talked about leading into the series, even though he was skating, still haven't seen a slap shot from Nikolai Ehlers. He doesn't need the slap shot, but for him to have that extra week before the next opponent is a massive development for the Winnipeg Jets. And then, too, let's talk about Blake Wheeler, who had an exceptional series. The 34-year-old captain, a week in between series, that's only going to help him stay fresh and keep his legs going. They were churning all series long, and they will continue to churn. Paul Stastny, great two-way play throughout the first round. Very physical in game four. You don't always see that from him. He was very involved in the forecheck, got active in terms of taking the body. That's obviously going to help as a 35-year-old forward to having that time off. Now, would you want to play a little bit sooner than maybe Tuesday or Wednesday? Sure. But like you were talking about, Huss, this is an opportunity to reinforce the good habits that were on display in that first round and continue that commitment to both puck management and the defensive 
uh, zone responsibilities that were so important in that series. Today, we saw the Jets get a little bit more back up to speed in terms of getting their legs underneath them in practice. And that's something you'll see continue. The focus is on the Jets game right now. Paul Maurice reinforced that once they know who the opponent is, then the video will start coming on that team. But right now, they have a great opportunity to reinforce some of the things that allowed them to have success in the first round. Speaking of that opponent, um, we might find it out on Saturday. If not, we'll know Monday night. What did you think of the uh, Habs going up, blowing their lead, and then uh, pretty bizarre 2-1-0 in overtime? Like, no, not 3-on-3 overtime, (laughs) but 5-on-5 playoff overtime, and that one was over before the overtime was even a minute old. Yeah, bizarre turn of events. Uh, I don't think a lot of people had Jake Muzzin on the bingo card for, uh, for getting that game to even, and... Unfortunate for Alex Galchenyuk, who had had a very strong series to that point, that no-look blind pass that leads to the giveaway, Muzzin caught flat-footed, Bogosian going down to pinch. Like There were just a a sequence of events that kind of conspired against the Leafs, I guess, in some ways. But a great read and anticipation by Cole Caulfield. Uh, Great job. I know the puck was wobbling a little, great patience to get the puck back to Suzuki. But man, if you look at that replay closely, Huss, that puck is wobbling and Suzuki has to absolutely stay focused in order to squeeze that past Jack Campbell because you absolutely have to convert that two-on-one, 2-on-0 opportunity in extra time. And that keeps their season alive and now gives a team hope like we were just talking about. Uh, I still think that the Leafs have too much depth, but Man, what do you think they're going to be talking about the next two days? That whole haven't won a playoff series since oh. 2004. If that goes to a game seven, oh my goodness, can you imagine the angst level uh, in Toronto if there is a game seven? I do think they will be able to wrap up the series, but when you get this deep in the playoffs, you never know. That's the beauty of it, right? You just never know. That might have been all the Canadians needed to get their belief back in terms of finding, you know, we talked all series. This team hadn't scored enough goals. Well, guess what? They just put up a four spot. So now they're feeling good offensively. Can you continue to keep those big guns under wraps? I mean, that's the big question for me um, going into game six. Um, Ken Weeb with us here from uh, Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie. Big show coming up a little bit. Well, why don't we talk? I'd love to talk to you about Josh Morrissey. Sure. Um, you know, quickly plug what you guys are doing. You're going to go on at three with uh, Morrissey, talk some playoffs, talk to him about his um, his season, and uh, and then you know fill us in on that. And then let's talk about Morrissey's performance in these four games because after a very up and down season, sometimes more on the downside, um, I can't remember the last time we saw him play with as much confidence and as well as he did in that series against Edmonton. Yeah, it's been impressive. Huss. Uh, Josh Morrissey will join us at 3 o'clock for kind of a pop-up show. We did a similar thing when Adam Lowry signed his extension and uh, worked out really well, but we didn't promote it well enough, so I appreciate the uh, the venue to do that also. We're uh, here Morris- for you, Kenny. Yes, you are. You are definitely there, Huss. You have been for a long, long time, and it's appreciated. But yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, in anticipation of what today was, we thought it might be a playoff preview show, but <laughs> we're going to have to wait a few more days before that show gets going. But uh, we thought we'd have the opportunity to speak with Josh. It'll, it'll be a great opportunity there. And back to his play, Huss. I mean, he played well, better down the stretch for sure. But the uh, the reunion with Dylan DeMello uh, really sparked some impressive results in that first round. Uh, those two, I mean, it was not just a two-man effort or a one-man effort. It was a five-man collective. But uh, Josh Morrissey was quite simply the Jets' best defenseman in round one, and that is with all due respect to Neil Pionk, who had a very strong series himself. 
Morrissey playing like that top pairing guy that we saw for quite a few years. That's part of the reason why he got that eight-year, $50 million extension. He's always been a great leader, a community leader with this team, but he was able to get his game elevated back to that level where folks have him in the discussion for the Olympic team. That's the Josh Morrissey that you saw on display during those four games. And I think for him, that was a massive development, especially to do it against Connor McDavid and his former junior teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who he has a lot of respect for. But man, that pairing was so, so good. Dylan DeMello, we've talked so much about how he's such a quiet, under-the-radar type player. But his ability to be in a safety valve position uh, to make those smart reads. Those two seemed so in sync together during that entire series that it was just an impressive display. And I mean, that's the level that Josh uh, wants to push himself to get to and beyond. You know, classic Morrissey during his Zoom call the other day, he wanted no part of any credit, basically. Hmm. Uh, Talked openly about the partnership and about how it meant for him to have, you know, DeMello beside him and went out of his way to talk about the six-man unit, which let's not kid ourselves, Huss, having that th- ability to put the third pairing out in that third overtime game where the Oilers went down to four D-men in the third period was a really... went Im- down to two D-men. I well, mean, Darnell Nurse barely ever came <laughs> off the ice. Yeah, that was one of the classic lines. A nurse having a shift of 447, uh, 62 plus minutes, just uh, an incredible job. I mean, Morrissey that night went 42 minutes to set a franchise record to eclipse uh, what Dustin Bufflin did at one point. Let me ask so, you this. I, I, you know, Nurse played over 15 minutes of yeah. the 20 in the first overtime. Can you ever remember a forward in the NHL playing more than three quarters of a period? I can't. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, there was a time when Chris Pronger did not come off the ice a lot, but I don't think there was ever a stretch where he played that much. The classic line by Maurice saying, you're kind of feeling like you're kind of punched drunk off the bench and you look up and did did he come off or is he still out there? (laughs) You look at the clock, it was like five. Are you kidding? He's still out there. It was like, you know, your, your listeners and viewers will appreciate a lot of them are, you know, beer league hockey players this is like a classic sunday night at 10 45 when you've got seven skaters and there's someone who literally does not come off because there's nobody <laughs> else that wants to play defense that's what it felt like for darnell nurse but the the big difference between that and the beer league hockey is that darnell nurse was still the first guy back to the puck and actually actively joining the rush he wasn't just trying to survive uh, with the dog paddle out there when he was swimming, he basically was still getting to pucks first and being active on the rush and making smart passes. So uh, incredible job. And then, you know, obviously <laughs> congratulations to his family on uh, adding a new addition the morning after playing 62 minutes. So uh, that was quite a scene for sure. Oh, you know, it's some funny stuff happening in the chat as often happens. I see <laughs> Rachel's here. Leafs fan, Rachel. Hi, Rach. She's going Leafs and Jets. Rach, just to be honest, don't don't you worry about the Jets right now. Worry about the Habs. Saturday night, game six. And then maybe we'll see you and the rest of the Leafs Nation in here with the chat. Always welcome, though. Lots of fun with the Leaf fans uh, coming here. Although, I will say, far fewer Leaf fans in here today than we had the last few days. I wonder why that's been. But uh, shout out to Rachel for having the stones to get in there and mix it up in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. Um, Kenny, last night, Carolina gets it done. Big comeback win in overtime. Finally got an overtime goal after Nashville was the team that was winning the OT games in this series. Um, let me ask you, uh, now that the Canes have moved on, um, how do you handicap that uh, Canes-Lightning series? Should be an amazing matchup. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, big goal from Dougie Hamilton, who had had a quiet series, and then, boy, what a redirection. I don't know. I assume they changed the goal, Slavin with the shot, and or Slavin with the shot, and what a tip by Sebastian Ajo. Oh. Oh, what a play. <laughs> and, I mean, Saros was so you know so excellent in the series. It just it would have had to take a perfect shot to beat him. You know, back to our tap to tie. I mean, Huss, not a lot of people gave the Predators much chance right? Not a lot of people gave them much chance in that series. Um, I did not either. Uh, Carolina is a very good hockey team. I think they've taken another important step under Rod Brindamore. They've got great depth. They've got one of the best defense cores in the National Hockey League. But to me, all of that said, I think the Lightning are still, they have that upper echelon talent that is hard for me to bet against. I think that series goes a full seven. And it could impede the Lightning from defending their title. But I do think the Lightning do find a way to prevail. But I think that we're in for another couple dandy hockey games. We know the atmosphere has just been, you know, so dynamite. And even the game last night too, Huss, it makes me think of 2018. Like, I love the, there's a very collegial atmosphere in Nashville. No surprise with it being a college town. I miss the, I miss the goalie chant. I know that Connor Hellbuck often talked about it. The, I love the thing after the goal, the you, you, you. I mean, I miss hearing that in person, Huss. I know Jets fans never liked hearing it but for someone in the building i loved the fact that they were so into it uh, i miss that city and i hope there's a time when this pandemic uh, gets under control <laughs> and, and we can travel there for hockey uh, once again yeah well i mean hell they're gonna have 2500 in uh, right. bell center tomorrow night um but unfortunately we're more screwed than anywhere on the planet it seems right now so um i'm not holding my breath that um you know getting some white clad people in bell mts place anytime soon Unfortunately, um, Kenny, we got Game Seven tonight. Wild Vegas. You cannot kill the Minnesota Wild. Will they be put to pasture tonight, or do the Vegas Golden Knights get their hearts broken at home? Man, Dean Evanson has done. Speaking of Manitoba connections, what a job Dean Evanson has done behind the bench of the Minnesota Unreal. Wild. They just don't go away. I mean, every time you think they're about to be extinguished, uh, they find a way to get the job done. Uh, I am going to have to stick with the Vegas Golden Knights here. They were my pick to win the Stanley Cup. They're really having a tough time scoring right now. Man, they mismatched Max Pacioretty, and they need to get Shea Theodore going on the back end. Uh, he has not had the same offensive end. Last year, being in the bubble in Edmonton, I had a chance to watch him up close and, and personal, and man, he would look like a future Norris Trophy winner, and he still very well may be, but he needs to get something going in terms of the offense from the back end. I just think that Mark Stone... Speaking of Manitoba connections, and I really liked the way Cody Glass played the other night. Uh, pretty involved for a guy just jumping into the lineup. I think Mark Stone has a massive impact on the game tonight. I think Marc-Andre Fleury stands, uh, stands on his head, and I do think that the Vegas Golden Knights earn a, let's say, 3-1 to one victory with maybe an empty netter tossed in there. I think we're going to get another fantastic hockey game there. Um, hey, Kenny, just before we uh, go, um, I'm not sure if you caught any of the uh, Canada-Kazakhstan game earlier. I but, saw the uh, snipe. That's Col- all I saw. I didn't Col- see the Col- game. Perfetti, uh, Col Perfetti pops the winner. And I'll say, first off, it speaks to you know the state of the Canadian team when Canada was only like a minus 400 favorite <laughs> against Kazakhstan. I'm like, what? Usually it's like, usually they don't even put odds for Canada-Kazakhstan. Um, all that being said, though, great opportunity for Cole Perfetti and uh, a big goal for the uh, Jet rookie. 
No kidding. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks back, he fires a wrister snapper past Freddie Anderson. Today, he snipes the GWG at the World Hockey Championship. Man, um, what a season for Cole Perfetti. I had an opportunity to watch him live a few times and inter- you know, have a few interviews and talks with him during the year. And when he goes home for the summer, what it, like when he finally takes some time to exhale, we know that he is he is the king of uh, you know quarantine, if you will, for lack of a better term. He's going to go That's home. That's Eric Comrie. Eric Conry's the king of quarantine. Well, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> he's the prince. <laughs> yeah. He, okay. He can be the fresh prince. Okay. Fresh prince right there. Uh, we'll come to an, an agreement on that for sure. When he takes an, an exhale, when he, when he gets home before he starts that summer training, man, is he ever going to have an opportunity to reflect on what an opportunity he's had this season in terms of his all around game and the experiences that he will be able to take forward with him? World junior, world championship, American Hockey League, even those you know few skates that he had with the Jets and having the ability to watch those guys full-time, he is going to come to next fall's training camp with such uh, vigor and um, just so fired. He'll be so fired up. I know that it's he's come such a long way in one year. And every time you think, well, it's going to take him a little bit longer, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for him Um can he make the team? We'll see, but I would not be surprised one bit if he forced his way into an, an extended look at the start of the year and goes from there. Cause he's just been dynamite. We know the vision was always there. He's got the hockey intelligence, but the biggest development for Cole Perfetti at the start of the year, the bulk of his points were coming with the man advantage, which is no surprise considering his, you know, spatial awareness and smarts during the second half, he became a dominant force at five on five while playing against a lot of people who are bigger and stronger than him. His elite hockey brain will allow him to do certain things that other people at 19 years old just simply cannot do. And I think that he will, he's such a driven individual. He's going to continue to turn heads as he moves forward. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Ken. I mean, next year, um, you know, there's no AHL opportunity, assuming that the OHL is going on, right? I mean, I just have a hard time imagining that he would go back to junior after the season that he's had. Yeah, I mean, you understand. I mean, there were some discussions, but he's. we also still got to remember he's still 19 and a little bit undersized. But, I mean, he's going to force – he's going to make the decision as difficult as humanly possible, I believe, Huss, and we'll see what the summer brings. But he's a guy who is going to have a massive impact on this Winnipeg Jets roster uh, moving forward. Whether that's next season or not, that will be up to him. But he is one of the top prospects, and he will continue to push himself to be better. I mean – we knew at the time the Jets were fortunate to get him at 10, and he's done nothing but bolster his stock and status with the season that he's been having. Weber, great stuff. Uh, fun having you pop in on uh, Friday. We'll certainly get back at it with you next week as uh, we'll get into round number one. But um, just again, um, 3 o'clock today, Kenny and Rennie's site. Uh, we'll be finishing up shortly afterwards. People can just pop over into your YouTube channel, uh, sit down with Josh Morrissey, and uh, chop it up with the Jets' number one defenseman along with uh, along with Rennie without the headband, I assume. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thanks for having me, Huss, and I really appreciate it. hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, and thanks, as always, for the opportunity. Right back at you, dude. Uh, you know him. It's Weeb's World. Uh, shout out to Brian for the intro song that we had, Ken Weeb. And uh, yeah, coming up in about 20, not even 20 minutes, the guys will be live at 3 p.m. on the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel talking with Josh Morrissey. Um, and as I mentioned to you later on, I guess 4 o'clock Winnipeg time, I'll be live for three hours on Sports at 960 in Calgary. And uh, set your alarm or watch or a reminder if you want to join us 
Adam Lowry live from the Winnipeg Jets with us on 960 coming up at 430 this afternoon. Looking forward to that. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Um, Reem, it uh, looks like the chat's been fun today. Not as many Leaf fans, but pretty cool. Uh, have you had the? Uh, have you had less to handle today uh, from your moderator duties? I haven't had to do anything. Uh, nice. Everyone's been Shout great. out to everyone. A fun yeah. Friday. Great channel. Yeah, great Friday. Yeah, and I tweeted out from uh, account Sports Talk WPG. A lot less Leaf fans in our chat today. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why. But uh, they were in here all week, and uh, for some reason, who knows, uh, not too many takes, except for Rachel, who popped in. Who, Shout uh, out to Rachel. She was, I thought she was, she was, I mean, as far as league fans go, she's pretty respectful. So, Absolutely, uh, we, she was great. We welcome, all, we welcome all fans as long as you're being respectful. I mean, we have had some league fans who just type, go Leafs, like in caps, over and over again. <laughs> yeah, as them. Justin Funk said, you didn't have to send anybody over the top rope in the WST chat no. battle royal. <laughs> no, so uh, we're okay. Although, we'll see if any marbles go over the top rope uh, and get bounced from the race. It, uh, that's we upcoming. are just... We are just about ready to give away our second gift certificate for the Little Brown Jug online store. Thanks to everyone that entered on our Instagram page. If uh, you haven't already, make sure you're following us at Sports Talk WPG. Remo cranks out some great content, highlights from the shows, contesting, and more on Instagram, as well as Twitter. And as much as I hate Facebook, uh, we do have a lot of people that are joining us through Facebook as well, Remus. And if yes. you're not, same handle, Sports Talk WPG on FB. Yeah, it's in, all the links are in it. If you can type it in, uh, all the links in the description. Click them, hit like, follow. Uh, we had some good. I posted on uh, on all of them, or at least on the Instagram for sure. Shafley talking about his goats, and that was on Twitter at well. <laughs> that, performed, that was such a great clip, nicely. man. <laughs> yeah, that was such he, a great. He clip. got really fired up. I was kind of. I wish you know maybe one time he can take his phone and connect and like give us a tour of uh, you know the goats and Farm Fifty Five. Follow yeah. them on Insta. We need to see it. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was uh, that was awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody's fired up for the marble race. Uh, first, let's quickly get to our daily lines for CoolBet.com and one big game in the Stanley Cup playoff tonight. All or nothing, Minnesota Wild at the Vegas Golden Knights. Game seven, Minnesota, a road dog of plus 148. Vegas, minus 169. And the total on this one is over under four and a half. Usually it's five and a half. The occasional game you'll get six and a half. I can't remember a four and a half, but that's where we are. Under plus 124, over on four and a half, minus 152. Remo, any lean on game seven tonight? I have Vegas on my, um, so I'm trying to bring this up. I have Vegas on my bracket. I want Minnesota one, but I do have Vegas. So I'm still leaning Vegas. And there, there's the lines up there. They have there tomorrow's you got games as well. Yeah, decimal odds, decimal odds up there. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, the uh, Maple Leafs, I'm seeing minus 179. It's, uh, the decimal is 1.56. Habs, home dog, plus 157 or 2.57 on the decimal. And we do have game one tomorrow. Islanders, plus 148 against the Bruins, minus 169. And what's interesting, Reem, series price already up. And the Islanders, a massive underdog, plus 195. I already said I am out on ever betting against Barry Trotz's team again. If I don't like him, I'm just staying away. But at almost 2-1 to one against the Boston Bruins, 
I'm in on the Islanders for round two. That looks like really nice odds. I know Boston's a big favorite. You know, Taylor Hall, uh, is, he's back to being Taylor Hall. He doesn't have the stink of uh, the Sabres, uh, you know, stuck to him. Sorry, uh, Buffalo. But, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. They've got two very good lines, solid defense. If Tukaras can be, you know, what he's been in the past, uh, Boston looks pretty solid. But as we've learned, as you said, do not bet against Barry Trotz in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I could see uh, Islanders. Why not throw it on the uh, on the underdog there? I, pro- I think I got Boston on my bracket though. So, my bracket, I've got every series correct except for uh, the Jets series. Uh, just like Sean Reynolds said yesterday, I had the Jets, but I did not have the Islanders, which is unfortunate. I, so, I got to make um, sure that I had them. I was in be- on Pittsburgh. I thought it was going to be Pittsburgh, Sid and Ovi, and maybe that was just me no, hoping for another battle. I, so I, I had Islanders in seven. They won in six. And Boston, too? Nicely done. I had Nicely Boston done. in six. They won in five. Um, Leafs have series prices are up. Minus 1,000 for the Leafs. Obviously, there's no value there. But if you do think that the Habs have a couple more wins, six to one to win the next two and move on to take on the uh, Winnipeg Jets. And we also have series lines, Carolina and Tampa Bay. I'm a little surprised at this, Remo. Was Carolina's the home team, had the better record? Plus 120 for this series for the Canes and minus 143 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Regardless of what the number is, though, I'm anticipating this to be one of the best series of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That seems really, really close. Um, as someone who's a Carolina guy, I wasn't feeling great when Marty said he likes Tampa. I mean, it's hard to go against them. They are the defending cup champions with a lot of the same team. But, uh, I mean, I'm fired up for uh, the Canes after that Rod Brindamore uh, postgame speech. So uh, throw me on on Carolina here. I, I'm with you, too. I think great value. I think that series really should be about a pick em, But Tampa's the defending champs. They will get a bump. And uh, I think that means some good value on the Carolina Hurricanes. All right. Uh, I'll post the daily picks or the daily lines at Sports Talk WPG, and we've got a bonus code link on our Twitter, 100% if you want to bet with us at coolbet.com. Remo, what a week it's been. This has been by far our best week. The excitement around the team is unbelievable. I want to thank Scott Brown again for helping us welcome in Coach Paul Maurice and Mark Shifley over the last couple days, and of course our friends at Little Brown Jug giving us a couple GCs to give away for the online store that they've relaunched easier than ever to buy merchandise and delicious little brown jug beers like remus did earlier still expecting that delivery sometime this afternoon yeah uh, but right remo oh you got it already yeah right here they dropped it off during the marty buran interview you gotta carry out like a 90s boombox i got the, I got the variety pack the Good Times Variety Pack. You'll be enjoying the Hefeweizen, the Summer Lager. Yeah. Mine's see-through, and, too. And much more. Well, exactly. Yeah. See-through can. <laughs> um, but anyways, yesterday we did a marble race of people in the chat and told everyone about the Instagram contest. And Remo, uh, you put together all the entries from Instagram, and we have the biggest Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race of all time coming up. Fill us in. Tee tee it up what we're about to do here. This is the biggest one that we've done. So we put out a contest on Instagram. You had to like the post, follow Winnipeg Sports Talk, follow Little Brown Jug, comment with your favorite moment of the Jets series versus um, Edmonton. A lot of people saying the Connor winner. A lot of people saying the Maurice fist bumps. A lot of people saying Wheeler taking one in the junk. A lot of three comeback. Game three comeback, 
Archibald was in there. Um, there were so <laughs> many. The Stasny winner, uh, Morrissey tying goal. I mean, there's so many, so many moments like you could have listed. So everyone was writing different ones. So I took all the people who were eligible, put them in this uh, marble. He's got over 100 names. Then I put Me You in the Little Brown Jug as well, like the Little Brown Jug, the the thing. So yeah, if um, the jug, if the jug, or myself, or if somehow Remus goes back to back, then we're definitely putting in an inquiry because we had well over sixty people in yesterday's marble race. There's more than a hundred today. So if he somehow yeah. pulls it, he'll basically be the greatest marble racer we're of not, all time. We're not eligible to win. So Winnipeg Jets do it. He got second, but he didn't get the glory of finishing first, which I which I got. So <laughs> that's apologies. right. Winnipeg Jets 280s in the chat. 1919, good stuff, can't get enough. Well, you'll be able to get some because uh, you, of course, won the GC yesterday. All right. We got a $30 Little Brown Jug gift cert for the online store. Uh, If you're not a drinker, you can certainly get some of the great merchandise they have as well. But this is what we're playing for. Thank you to everyone that followed us and entered on Instagram. And by the way, follow Little Brown Jug, too. They got a great social media presence. But... Without further ado, Remus, uh, do we have a new course? Where uh, where are we uh, where are we at today? What um, what's the uh, what's the course for the biggest marble race of all time for WST? Here, let me pull it up. So I was Here testing I was testing earlier, and uh, there was a really good one that I I test drove and I was so good at it, but I can't find it now. So I don't remember where it is. I might have to just pick one. It was like Mountain something, but uh, I don't. I don't know where it, where it went. What about so the guess, House of Pain? That sounds bad. You like this one? Like few will survive too. Sounds like a lot of people <laughs> going over the top rope. So, uh, well, listen, it's up to you. I'd say go for an average time, like in and around a two minute race somewhere, if we've got. But again, yeah. you're the CTO. You're the master of the marbles, so uh, you figure it out. And then we will start it off. But yes, the largest field of all time in the marble race to finish it up. Shout out to everyone that's hanging around with us to finish off. Have a little fun at the end of the program. If you're new, hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. We'll be back every day, 1 p.m. Central, Monday to Friday. And depending on what happens with the Jets and when they're playing on the weekends, we'll probably do a few bonus shows like we did on the long weekend. But we do know we're going to have a couple days off to get ready for what will be a huge week next week. Whether it's the Habs or the Leafs, the Winnipeg Jets will be taking them on. I guess if the Habs win, the series would start in Winnipeg. One thing that we didn't really talk about, but it still does seem like the Leafs have the upper hand uh, with Game 6 in Montreal. And if they aren't able to get the job done, another shot to eliminate the Habs at home on Monday night. Yeah, Remo, so, how are we I, set up? I, I'm set up. I picked one. I don't even remember what track I picked. Uh, some it's, people are it's showing. It's all random, folks. I'm I'm hitting it, so uh, we will go C to toggle with this. And I was practicing uh, test driving before. We have all the names here. I don't even. Oh, this is the final two. So I'm gonna hit start. You see all the names in there. So uh, let's give her. I'm, I'm gonna hit let's go, okay? give her, folks. Friday afternoon, fun Friday. We finish off the week, a legendary week, our best week ever on Winnipeg Sports Talk, with the biggest marble brace of all time. Uh, everyone bunched up early, going into what do we call this? The Drano into the, the drain, final. and it, in the top right, the it has the the current standing. So. Uh, you got the top right, but I learned you can go up and down, so my directing is going to be 
So much better here. Excellent, excellent. We're, uh, you know, it's very tight so far. We Winnipeg Schnitzel, Crazy Bird. Are these the Instagram handles, by the way? These are all everyone's Instagram handles. Okay, Insta follow. So if you have something different than you have in the chat, look for your IG handle. Crazy Bird, Winnipeg Schnitzel seem to be early. We've got a uh, we've got a real I mean quite the breaks. John's up there, Jonathan, Braden Fleming into the top ten right now. Crazy bird though continues to lead the way. Winnipeg Schnitzel now getting up to the top. This is one heck I you know, this is amazing though, with so many marbles, Reem, and we know there'll be some casualties before we get in. We're yeah. still talking about the heartbreak for Cynthia. And a couple of the other marbles. Uh, and, and the same thing was the first time when uh, the GFL, Gregory Liverpool himself, came through, as he said, like the winner of the Preakness, right at the end to win the marble race. This is a great course. We've got a little bit of time here. Brooke Bird is now in first. Zach Gerbrandt in second. Matt, oh, we just oh. lost. Backburn oh. is out. Big, Big Beef, Beef 03. Great, great handle, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Big Beef. So Just lost coming... another marble somewhere, but another oh. big funnel right now. And uh, there has been nobody that's really distanced themselves from the field, but Jared GP49 just ahead of Braden Fleming and Zach Gerbrandt right now in the lead pack. Here we go. This is, uh, we're getting tight. A little bit of space between our leaders and the rest of the pack. It's still Jared GP49, Braden Fleming, and Zach Gerbrandt going in. Do we have a, do we have a casualty? No, nope, no, nope, they're still all in. Jared Gerbrandt is there. Jared Gerbrandt, or Jared GP49 is the winner. Braden Fleming, 21 seconds. Zach Gerbrandt, third. And now the rest of the marbles come in and fill it in. Uh, wow, an exhilarating and an amazing race considering how tight it was, Reem, throughout the entire race. But uh, Jared GP49, the official winner of the Little Brown Jug gift certificate from our Friday marbles oh. race here on WST. Yeah, there's Zach Gerbrand in chats. is so close. Fi- I think he was. You he finished was top 10 again. I was top 10. Watch out for him, uh, powerhouse when it comes to, uh, <laughs> to marbles, apparently. <laughs> So. <laughs> uh, Remo's still top 10 He, yeah we need to check his marble no, might be I'm, juicing <laughs> I, I I can barely run this game I don't I don't even know if I can give my marble like better odds or anything but uh, <laughs> Dino says top 10 come on I, I don't know there's, there's only one winner here guys doesn't matter if you're uh, first or last but yeah we uh, only so. bet outrights here we only bet outrights for marbles you win or you don't win and actually yesterday you win but still didn't win because we gave the prize to Jets 280, who was second. Um, Madness is fun. Shout out to Reem, the Marble Race. What a great way to execute some contests. Uh, but thanks to everyone that was in the race for following and getting in with our Instagram feed. Make sure you hit up our Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, well, there's still a ra- there's yes, still there's one, one more. <laughs> what happened to him? That was the It'd be funny to do a slow uh, slow yeah. race. Hey, yeah. You can go see. We see Jets dog. Where did I finish? Did I even make it in the top 50? Uh, I see the splits there. Uh, where are you, Huss? Uh, oh, did I you think I was 40. Was that oh, 46? The, the Little Brown Jug was 66. 66. Uh, there's Eric. I see him. Larry, Eloy. I've seen recognize a bunch of these names here. So, 
uh, shout out to everyone uh, who uh, participated. This was pretty fun to do and uh, put all put all these in here just for fun. So who? Oh, won? hustler! I'm 90 seconds. So Remus top 10. I'm bottom 10. I, I demand an inquiry, inquiry into this, just like they do at the horse races when someone cuts off one of the horses. Yeah, that was. Let me just see what uh, Jared GP said was his favorite Jets uh, moment. Yes, that's uh, a great way to finish uh, off the program. Um, he said, and again, he, thanks. Yeah, he said, sorry, Morrissey to tie it up for game three. That was. His oh, I moment. like it. I like it. That probably wouldn't have been in the top, but certainly deserved yeah, to be that was in, in the, the conversation. Um, but, anyways, Reem, uh, we, uh, we should get out right now uh, because, A, we got to get the pods up, but we also. Um, can direct everyone that's still hanging around right now. Head on over to Kenny and Rennie. The guys are going to be getting going in just a minute or two uh, with Josh Morrissey live. And again, if you want more Jets content this afternoon, it won't be all Jets content, of course, because the show originates out of Calgary. Uh, but I'll be on from 4 to 7 with Will Nault um, on Sportsnet 960. And at 4.30 Winnipeg time, Adam Lowry of the Winnipeg Jets is going to join us live. So I'll tweet out a link for that. If you're not already following me, hit me up on Twitter, at Hustlerama, um, and we'll send you the link if you want to listen online for that. But head on over, Sean, Ken, they're going to have Josh Morrissey have some fun on their YouTube channel right now. And uh, Remo, honestly, between you and me, bud, congratulations, kicking ass, and this has been our best week yet, and I cannot wait for Monday and getting back at it with everybody here in the chat and here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, this was our best week uh, we've had since we started in terms of views and podcast downloads. And you know what the Jets didn't even play? It was kind of just a big Barry Horowitz all week talking about how great that series sweep was. So I don't know, next week maybe we'll be uh, pulling our hair out uh, with the team's play or maybe we'll be some more uh, patting on the back and we'll get to play some awesome goal calls from uh, Paul Edmonds. But, you know, the games are going to start. We've got a nice weekend. We can relax. Not going to have a Sunday game or a Saturday night game. But uh, next week we're going to have some games. going to be at reasonable game times and uh we'll see how it goes against toronto or montreal hopefully we know it's i guess it's possible we won't know by the start of monday's show because game well, if the Habs win on saturday we'll be talking about game seven that night and you know potentially a wednesday thursday start for uh for the series so um anyways everyone have a uh, have a safe have a great weekend although as much as you can right now with what we're going through Shout out to everyone in the chat. Thanks so much for the support. Do, your, do us a favor. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah. Show them how to sub on YouTube. Show them how to hey. sub on the podcast. We continue to grow every day, but it's with the help of you that we continue to spread the word on what we're doing now that the old station shut down. Yeah, we did get a comment on our YouTube video. It's like, oh, I'm so glad I found this. Uh, my life is complete again. Maybe not <laughs> quite Maybe not quite like that, but something along those lines that you know they had just stumbled upon, I think it was the Shifley interview or something. So there are people out there that don't know that we've moved to this new platform so um i mean what you guys can do to help you know help let people know hit the thumbs up on the videos like our you know twitter facebook instagram posts and pages um if after after the videos are done you know comment on them or comment on any other ones sure it's a funky but chunky who's i think he's got a record uh being the first comment on like four straight videos now or four of the five this week so Funky always, always wants to get in there. Maybe yeah. drop in a little more insight than first, just saying. And and by the way, my favorite thing at the end of every show in the chat 
is Jeff Kabilis super kicking Gregory Liverpool. Gregory's come back with the DDT, and essentially <laughs> they're having they're having a wrestling match in the chat. What a great way to finish up a Friday on the program. All right, guys, it's three. Kenny and Rennie are going live. Head on over, check out their chat with Josh Morrissey. Remote, great week. Thanks to everyone for joining us, and of course, thanks to our sponsors: Aikens Lake, Cool Bet, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs. Little Brown Jug. Have a couple of these this weekend. You will not be sorry. Nick and Nikki DQ. It's always time for a blizzard. Royal Sports. Car flag promo on right now. All the whiteout gear. Boston Pizza. And of course, not Autocorp at Waverly in McGilvery. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great weekend. We'll be back at it Monday. Getting ready for round two of your Winnipeg Jets in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 